Hey, Z. Hey, Autumn. I heard you watched a pretty okay movie recently. Yeah, so uh, for the 12th time, I watched this movie about um, a mechanic in upstate New York and his friends trying to sort of find a sense of equilibrium in the wake of like this huge revelation. And then even though you said you might not have the wolf howl next season. (laughs) Oh, that waveform is ugly. (laughs) Uh, Just absolutely spiked. Love that for you. They have those necklaces that you can get that's like a piece of metal etched with the waveform of someone's voice talking. And I want to get one of Autumn laughing because I'm a sap. Uh, I thought you were going to say, I want to get one of the waveform for that wolf howl. (laughs) That's also what I thought they were going to (laughs) say. Hi, everybody. Welcome to OK, But Is It Gay? Um, This is a movie podcast about gay movies that maybe you haven't heard of. Uh, I don't see this one recommended a whole bunch, at least. Which is a shame. Mm -hmm. I mean... We have been friends, so it has been recommended to you uh, on at least one occasion. Perhaps. But, you know, people make those lists of, like, here's gay movies where no one dies and the plot isn't uh, will someone hate crime them or not. Um, I guess there's a little bit of that. that in that's movie. involved here. Yeah, this is a coming out movie. Uh <laughs> Yeah, should we actually say the name of the movie that we're watching? Yeah, we're, we're talking about Fourth Man Out, which is from... Uh, 2015? 2015, yes. Yes, its U.S. Uh, debut was technically in 2016, but early Ooh. 2016. <laughs> the in-depth uh, lore with Z. Yeah, I think it uh, debuted in Canada first. It, it was a kind of a festival, darling. Um and it won, it won like eleven like queer film festival awards, um, mostly for the director and then like the overall kind of um, film as a whole, um, which is interesting. <laughs> it's what uh, it deserves. The, the tagline for this movie is "Friends don't let friends come out alone," and that's really good. It's a really but good tagline. I don't think it fits. I saw it does that. not I was at like, all. That doesn't make any sense. That's a different movie that it's, he's yeah. describing. It's a really good tagline for a different movie. Um, and I think maybe... So I have this conspiracy theory. Uh-huh. Um, well, I actually have two. Uh, one of them is uh, the, the serious one that pertains to this discussion of the tagline is that at some point in writing... Uh, this, Chris was the main character of this movie. Mm. Uh, my other one is that Adam realized that he was gay while going down on Dorothy Kuda in <laughs> the eighth grade. Um, that makes sense to me. I'm pretty sure that's canon. <laughs> it It is textually supported. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says uh, he's known that he's gay since he was 14. 
It's all coming together. So I did reconstruct the timeline of this of this man's life. <laughs> um, and in the eighth grade, uh, so at some point in the movie, he's 24. He says, I've known for 10 years, uh, which would put him in the eighth grade. At another point in the movie, Court Overstreet's character, Nick, says, uh, Adam can't be gay. He was going down on Dorothy Kuda in the eighth grade. Um, and I know yeah, at four. least one person who has realized he was gay while going down oh, on no. a woman. That's, oh, so, no. <laughs> that's, uh, oh, textually that. supported. That's a really awkward time to figure that out. I feel bad for whoever that woman is. Uh, they're still friends, her. and props to him. He like did what he was there to do. Uh, <laughs> Finish the task, and then we're done. <laughs> um, yeah, so he... before we get into the movie proper, hi everybody. This is our friend Z. They are currently in our MFA program with me. Uh, do you want to talk about like your work and stuff? I don't know. Uh, yeah, so, um, I write mostly about, um, the, uh, most, so I write mostly about, uh, like, music and identity, um, and, uh, sort of the intersection of those things, um, and, uh, in a large part, uh, kind of queerness in those contexts, um, which is, is going to be fun for this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I also am a reader, uh, for both Passages North and, uh, Alien, uh, literary magazine, um, and just generally a nuisance on the internet. <laughs> a fun nuisance, a good nuisance. Uh, yeah, we're talking about Fourth Man Out 2015, which is a movie that Autumn and I watched, and then I went into our group chat and said, hey, if you guys seen Fourth Man Out, it's very good. And Z said, have I seen Fourth Man Out? <laughs> I, think, I think what happened is that you described this movie, you were like, because you couldn't remember the title, and you were like, uh, Autumn and I watched this movie, it's about like, this guy coming out to all of his bros and I was like, oh, it's Fourth Man Out. And then Autumn <laughs> popped in the chat and was like, yeah, Fourth Man Out. Yeah, as I as I referenced earlier, I have seen this movie probably 12 times now. Um, <laughs> so you have it memorized. Not uh, word for word, but probably beat for beat, yeah. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah, this is a movie that um, was... I, so I watched this probably shortly after it came out, sometime in 2016. Um, as I was like, I was out to my friends. I was about to come out to my family. Um, I was living in, well, I was at college in Georgia, but my family was living in upstate New York. Um, so this... it there was a lot of like resonance for this movie and it like really meant a lot to like a previous version of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I go back to, I rewatch it probably every six months, uh, as kind of like <laughs> a, a comfort film. Uh, hell yeah. 
Uh, so a couple warnings before we dive into our discussion. Uh, this is a coming out movie and it's set in like a rural small hometown. So there's some homophobia. There's some religious based homophobia. Uh, misogyny, including sexual harassment. No one gets like touched, but there's like a bar scene at the beginning and it's really gross. Uh, lots of like also misogynistic language because the three straight bros are like they have to demonstrate their broness before they can grow as people. Um, <laughs> there's mentions of conversion therapy. No one gets sent anywhere, but like the, it's mentioned. Uh, there is an instance of biphobia uh, and an instance of transphobia. And I think that that is it. There's also like sexual themes. Also sexual themes. <laughs> sexual uh, with themes? a sausage. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although sexual it is themes. a it is a remarkably chaste movie. Um, yeah, there's no like sex scenes. Well, so okay. Will... I mean, there are straight sex scenes. <laughs> there's, there's, uh, there's no nudity. There's no nudity. There's no, there's nudity. no nudity. Yeah. And it is. Yeah. It is a. It is gay chaste. Yeah. <laughs> um, Gayest. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but um, I have for like a very long time thought of this movie as like a good movie with like a misogyny problem. Yes. And I, I have another friend who this movie also is very important to sort of his coming out. Um, and we were talking about this last night and like the misogyny in this movie, uh, there are sort of two streaks of it. One, there's kind of the, like, run-of-the-mill, like, screenwriters don't know how to write women who are people. Um, (laughs) And then there's also, like, the screenwriters don't know how to write misogynistic characters in a way that is interesting. Yeah, it's, it's not treated as a character flaw for these men to be gross like this. It's not treated as and like I thought it was. They're, they're gross in other they're gross in other ways that is treated like a character flaw and they do get to confront those things, but they don't really confront the you shouldn't be taking a picture of a stranger's boobs in a bar part of themselves. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I I think it is. I would say that it is treated as a character flaw. It is not uh, a in the same vein as like there are homophobia being treated as a character flaw but whereas like with the homophobia we see them grow and move past it with the misogyny we don't it's just sort of implied they're not punished for it right and and the overcoming the homophobia is implied to also be them overcoming their misogyny Mm -hmm. that's not how that works no No. (laughs) and then along with the fact that it's just like it's not written in an interesting or compelling way and then just kind of dropped. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a rant about that later. I'm excited <laughs> for it. Oh, I, I, so in my notes, I, I color coded. Uh, I had like, <laughs> well, I got a new set of pins the other day. So Hell, my yes. general notes are gray, just like um, different scenes, uh, you know, like fun facts, stuff like that. That's all in gray. Uh, anytime I made a note of something misogynistic, I did it in purple. Uh, anytime I did like a film craft note, I did it in blue. Um, and then I have, uh, in red, 
what I have labeled in my little like notes, uh, like color coding legend as I pray for death. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I kept a running tally at the end of it. Uh, I had 25 distinct notes uh, about misogynistic things. Um, mm-hmm. And I think nine moments uh, where I pray for death. So <laughs> amazing. Uh, we to have Z on this podcast all the time. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we open on uh, some lovely voiceover. Autumn's favorite. <laughs> I didn't mind this. I'm gonna go out and say I actually really like this opening because it's diegetic. Most narration yeah. or voiceover is like non-diegetic, so it isn't actually taking place in the universe of the film. Um, but with like a date for Mad Mary or with this movie, it's diegetic, so it's taking place in the universe of the film as Adam is facing the camera and talking to us, trying to come out. Uh, and then there's a knock on the door, and it is revealed. He turns, and it is revealed that he's actually talking to a picture of his friends and him when they were all in Little League together. And I think that that is just a really good, clever way to introduce the premise and also uh, introduce like the nature of the relationship that he has with these men. Uh, they've been friends since they were very, very young. He still has pictures of them as kids on his mantle. Um, and so, like, just in this opening, like, few seconds, we get, this is what this movie is about. Yeah, and it's, um, it's a really good use of this scene and sort of the scene that immediately follows it, the introduction to Martha, the homophobic neighbor. Um, <laughs> we get a really good use of the, like, camera to create discomfort. We have these, like, mm-hmm. head-on, like, very Wes Anderson-esque, like, person is in the center of the frame uh and they are like talking direct to camera and it creates this very like uncomfortable intimacy um yeah it's i I don't know i just i thought it was neat it happens a couple of times throughout the film a couple of times throughout the film um but this is like like right out the gate it really kind of Mm -hmm. There's like there someone competent is behind the camera, which is one of few things I can say for the film craft in this movie. <laughs> uh, so yeah, then we meet Martha. She's here with uh, blueberry muff- muffins uh, for Adam's birthday. He's turning twenty four. She also really wants to hook him up with her niece. Uh, Chris arrives and like saves him from this uncomfortable conversation. And he is very adamant that Adam should bang either his crazy neighbor, Martha, or the niece, because he's, like, not been with a woman for a long time, and Chris is worried about him. Uh, the exact quote, because I did write it down, uh-huh. give her your dick and keep the muffin co- muffins coming. <laughs> he's got uh, his priorities right. Yeah. And it's it's very... In my conspiracy theory that this movie was originally about Chris and Chris was the main character, Mm -hmm. the movie starts with this scene where Mm -hmm. Chris and Adam are on their way to the pregame and Adam is very clearly trying to talk to Chris about something like important and genuine and Chris is like not tuned in. Mm -hmm. 
And there's, like, hints that Adam wants to say something. Like, it, when they get to the pregame, he tries to come out. He's like, hey, guys, uh, um... Uh, but he's, like, interrupted and, like, is discouraged, like, psychs himself out a couple of times. And so in that version of the movie where we're focused on Chris, um, then it's, like, a reveal both to the boys and also to the audience when Adam finally comes out. Yeah, yeah. In in, in this version of the movie, uh, like, I think the audience probably picks up on it, uh, mm-hmm. but... Like, it is actually, like, oh, you have set something up and now it is paying off. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, yeah, uh, as as you sort of alluded to, uh, we arrive in Ortu's basement. Um, and at this point, we, like, they're pre-gaming for Adam's birthday. And we have met all four of our main characters at this point. Including uh, Nick, who's played by Cord Overstreet, who played Sam on Glee. And we watched the trailer for this movie, and I pointed <laughs> to the screen, and I said, That's Sam from Glee! Yeah, uh, he also is the uh, most attractive man in this movie. Um, you think so? Interesting. Oh, yeah. He, okay, so he has here's very the specific thing. taste in men. By the end of this movie... Cordover Street is. Has gone through a journey. He is a straight man, a straight cis Technically, man. Technically, they've all gone through a journey. Yeah, but Nick's specific journey. Nick Nick's specific journey. Yeah, he has. By the end of this movie, he has a gender analysis, <laughs> and there is nothing more attractive to me than a straight cis man with a gender analysis. That's valid. I wanted Court Overstreet to kiss a man in this movie so bad. See, I just want there to be a sequel called Fifth Man Out where mm-hmm. uh, Nick comes out and then a threequel called <laughs> Sixth Man Out where uh, Ortu realizes he's bi and then a uh, fourquel <laughs> called uh, Seventh Man Out. And at this point, I don't trust my ability to count. Uh and eventually just all of Albany, New York, uh, <laughs> comes out as queer. Mm-hmm. I think that Chris is bi. That's my conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought you were going to say. Mm-hmm. Like, he's clearly bisexual. That's yeah. something that happens in this movie. I'm going to rant about that also. 100%. Uh, but I wanted... The other thing that I wanted to happen with Nick is for him to, like, either get with a man or someone who is extremely gender non-conforming or like a really butch woman someone who is like outside of the box gender wise and for him to not make a big deal of it at all because adam makes a huge deal about coming out and like that's valid um and this movie is a coming out movie and so the fact that any character is gay is like made a big deal of but i really wanted adam to be exposed to the idea that it's okay to just be chill about liking dudes nick didn't go through that much of a journey i'm sorry i didn't think but he didn't listen, went through that much of a journey what if he did though what if he did though then the movie would be better <laughs> next question yeah th- so this movie is also like very caught up in gender mm-hmm. uh yeah but in not like, in an interesting way. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> it's it's very caught up in like a masculine 
like it, it sounds dumb to say like masculine like, gayness, but like yeah. a very it's like masculine patriarchy. Yeah, yeah, heteropatriarchy. Um and it is only interested in subverting that a little bit. <laughs> um uh, so yeah, they uh <laughs> they're pre-gaming and uh Chris has the idea to take shots and he introduces this idea by saying, "Hey guys, you want to get gay?" and Adam panics. He goes, what? "Why is that a phrase?" You know I what? They're know. like trying to insert as many gay jokes as possible in this moment like when they first show up i think it's or two that's like get in here homos and i was like oh okay that's what's happening here but like mm-hmm. what does that mean it's also very clearly that the or two line like it's very clear or at least it it reads to me like that was originally the f slur and they had to tone it down yeah 100%. oh yeah um, but yeah, so the the liquor they are doing shots of is called something gay. Um, they and this again is another like good moment of setup payoff because uh, this does come back later, uh, where they're doing shots of the same liquor again in a different scene. Um, mm-hmm. That parallel is really good, uh, but we will get there. We will get there. They also talk about porn in some very explicit terms. Mm. and they talk about sharing porn uh which was i thought that was weird (laughs) i so i have one friend with whom i have ever shared and openly discussed not even porn it was smut like it it was a written story Um, that's totally different you make make smut for your friends for their birthday (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> interesting does it, have you never done that have you never written a fic for someone for their birthday I don't Not even that. write things for myself for the classes where I need to write them to pass <laughs> okay mood okay I guess I'm the weirdo this time <laughs> this uh, time they say yeah so we, we finally get to the bar for Adam's birthday and just immediately Chris. Or two, played by beloved character actor John Gabris, by the way. Or or two just immediately does a sex crime. Yeah. Uh, I really okay, I don't understand. He's like, yeah, he's trying to take like a picture of a strange stranger's boobs, and he's like, You guys are so lucky that you're single. And how? Like mm-hmm. he has regular access to boobs yeah. because he's not single. So I don't get this logic here. He's like, I was so you confused. Guys- you guys can put your face in boobs whenever you want. It's like, no, when you're single, there's several points of setup before you can put your face in someone's boobs. If you yeah, that's have a the whole girlfriend thing. whom you live with, they live together. You can just ask. They also, at some point, uh, I believe it's Adam does say in response to this comment from War 2, like, you know, the woman gets a say in that, you know. Yeah. Uh, which is... <laughs> kind of the only point in this movie where someone like explicitly speaks back to misogyny mm-hmm. yeah but he's like mumbling it and no one's listening to him so yeah and this so and importantly so ortu tries to clandestinely take a photo of this woman's boobs and does it by pointing the camera directly <laughs> at her with the flash on yeah 
He's like, he's doing do the thing it where it. he's like pretending to pose for a selfie, which like okay. Except there, he's you, not. <laughs> you have a brain, but you're not using it. <laughs> we like, can we can have the excuse that he's drunk. We can I put guess. that there. But that still doesn't fully make yeah. up for it. Yeah, it's um, and, and this this whole time Adam is trying to come out to them. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he's like trying to get their attention, trying to be like, "Hey guys, I have something important to tell you," and they are too busy harassing this woman to care. You can't um, expect them to pay attention when there's boobs nearby. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's middle school all over again. <laughs> uh, uh, he also, um, like, gets discouraged uh, and, like, pounds his beer, like, absolutely fucking dunks this uh, pint that he's been drinking. And uh, Chris is like, dude, are you okay? And he obfuscates by, like, pointing out that there's a woman across the bar who's been, like, eyeing Chris. And so Chris goes over there, and this is how we meet. I have her as train in my I... notes. I will refer to her throughout this movie as Train. <laughs> my notes have like five different names for her. Sometimes it's Train. Sometimes it's Tracy. Uh, one time it's Fanny Pack Girl. <laughs> she, uh, she is wearing a fanny pack because she doesn't care about what other people think. Yes. She yeah, is, what? She is wearing a fanny pack. She is credited as Tracy. Despite that not being her name, her that hilarious. is not the character's name. Nope. Uh, it should be like a Tracy slash thing. Is yeah. What it should be. Or credit her as Fanny Pack Girl. Credit her as Train. Credit her Chris's as anything. love interest. Her name um, is not Tracy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but she is out with a friend, and so Chris recruits Adam to dance with her friend. Uh, because, you know, she doesn't want to leave Kim, who is very drunk, alone while she goes to dance with Chris. Uh, Adam is uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, Adam is uncomfortable. There's, like, some very awkward, like, haha, make out with your best friend jokes. And Adam leaves. He removes yeah. <laughs> himself to the restroom. Yeah, Chris Chris makes this joke. He says, what, you don't sleep with your best friends? That's selfish. Uh, completely straight-faced. And Adam panics and flees. Uh, in, if this movie... This movie has the structure of a slow bird friends to lovers fanfic. And in that fanfic, they definitely make out. And Adam definitely thinks about it for the rest of the fic. In, so... I will push back on this a little bit by saying this movie has the structure of two Friends to Lovers fanfics happening yeah. at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Adam flees to the bathroom uh, where he is, like, trying to hype himself up. Uh, <laughs> and the man at the urinal next to him, who is credited, by the way, and named... He's not just a urinal guy. Uh, he is named in the credits as Freddy. Gives Adam advice on how to not be pee shy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I cannot stress how much, I, like, this movie, if I were Adam, this movie would have ended right there because I would have gone and walked into traffic. <laughs> I cannot imagine anything less comfortable than someone talking to me at the urinal. 
<laughs> yeah, that's breaking like the number one rule there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we cut back to Ortu and Vic harassing this woman. The flash is on on Ortu's camera. The man that he is with is like, what? Are, she's like, are you taking pictures of me? And uh, they're like, no, we're taking pictures of the man you're with because he has a unibrow. And he's like, do you want to fight? And they're like, nah, it's cold outside. <laughs> Which is a fun line. Yeah, it's also heavily implied that this man has a gun. Yeah. Uh, but very poorly. Uh, there's like some body movement acting uh, that like it implies this man has a gun when he clearly does not even have like a prop gun. Nope. <laughs> and so Ortu and Nick panic and they're like, we gotta go. Uh, and uh, everything turns out fine because Train's friend. Uh, Kim vomits on unibrow man's shoes, and so they can get out of the bar safely. <laughs> Kim's the real hero of this movie. Uh, yeah, and thus ends what I am calling the preamble. I tried mm-hmm. very hard to, like, impose a three-act structure on this movie, mm-hmm. um, and I just could not. Yeah, it uh, was yeah, that a lot. You can't do that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think... I think uh, up to this point, we are in, like, pre-Act 1. Mm-hmm. And then we, like, wake up the next morning uh, in Ortu's basement with uh, Adam and Chris sharing, like, a pull-out couch um, in a chaste and God-honoring way. <laughs> there was only one bed. There was only one bed and nothing happened. Uh, <laughs> nothing happened. This is every fan fiction trope. Uh, but then it's not interesting. Yeah, but, but <laughs> without the follow through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't understand this scene because Adam's like, he wakes up and he stares at Chris, and then he decides, uh, I'm gonna confess. At his bro. Like, I'm gonna confess just to Chris, but like everyone else is also in this room. So, but if you what do it thinking? one at a time, if you just focus on the one, then. It's easier. Also, if you're trying to come out to a group of people, just tell the one person that you know can't mind their business. Maybe. Yeah. To me, it felt like he didn't think it through, but that makes sense. It's the first thing in the morning. So, as someone who has uh, come out in a fit of desperation, uh, <laughs> I totally understand <laughs> what Adam is going through here. As someone who has also come out needed to come out to a whole group of people uh i definitely understand where hal is coming from (laughs) because you just tell you just tell the one person who can't mind their business and then everyone knows yeah then you don't have to do the work yeah i uh was on study abroad and we were on the bus like just one class was like on the bus going on a field trip and uh this girl was talking about her uh friends with benefits like back in the states and just like like she was talking in a way that like she was trying to convince herself that the sex was good oh no uh, <laughs> in just very like unpleasant terms um and i just like i'm half asleep and i look over at her and i'm like being straight must be so much fun if you don't have standards. <laughs> and then I like 
rolled over and pretended to go back to sleep. And the next day, everyone on that trip knew. (laughs) That's a way to do it. So yeah, Adam like rolls over, looks lovingly into Chris's sleepy eyes and says, I'm gay. And Chris, who is still half asleep, goes, okay, man. And then Adam sort of forces, uh, like, not forces the issue, but like, is like, no, like, actual, like, this is me coming out to you. I am gay. And Chris throws up. Vomits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's very quick to assure Adam that that wasn't because of him, though, which is why Chris is a real friend. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, like, very clear that, like, Chris is throwing up because he is hungover. Uh, and then, like, Nick's character, uh, or Cordover Street's character, Nick, is asleep on the couch and, like, continues to pretend to be asleep through all of this. Or two comes down from upstairs. It, like, everything goes poorly. Adam's, yeah, like... comes down and he's, like, in a robe and his boxers and, like, he's, uh, his robe is open so we can see his chest. And, uh, he's like, what's up, everybody? And, uh, Adam's like, I'm homo... I'm hungover. Or Chris is like, I'm hungover. Chris is, or damn it. Chris is like, (laughs) Chris is like, I'm hungover. Adam's gay. And Ortu covers his chest. He like pulls his robe closed. Which is absurd because we all know that Adam wants to fuck Nick most. (laughs) Of course. Textually supportive. (laughs) Yeah, so then Adam's like, I'm just gonna leave and like gets his coat, leaves the basement. Uh, the boys panic. Yes, the other three panic. Um, I have some select quotes here. Adam uh, can't, reasons that Adam can't be gay. One, he, eats he loves steak. steak. Adam can't be gay. <laughs> the dude eats steak every day. Yes, which I don't think that's very good for you. That's too much protein. <laughs> it is It is uh, some definitely like a keto diet situation that is not good for you. Balance um, it out with some fruits and veggies. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris, I once saw him rebuild the entire engine on a 68 Mustang. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is where my theory that Adam realized he was gay in the middle of going down on Dorothy Kuda in the eighth grade because Nick says he was eating Dorth- eating out Dorothy Kuda in the eighth grade. Dorothy fucking Kuda. <laughs> uh, and this is like, you know, a brief sidebar before we like get into the like yikes of it all. I really like how this movie uses first and last names just constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's a very like close knit, town kind of feeling like this is a thing that people will do when they are in like a large like a large ish area where people basically know everyone yeah this is how i refer to all of my friends that i went to high school in upstate new york with um Mm -hmm. but yeah uh nick or adam then comes back downstairs and says i i forgot i didn't drive and now Chris has to drive him home uh, in what I think is probably the best scene of the movie. (laughs) Like, the car ride home works so well to establish, like, where we are right now, 
the dynamic between Adam, Chris, and then like Nick and or two. And it's just, it's really well done. And it's probably from a filmmaking perspective, the best this movie gets. It's like well lit. Uh, so you can actually see in everybody, but the lighting is like subdued. So you know that this is like not a happy moment necessarily. Adam does corpse at the beginning of this scene uh, and they didn't get another take on that. So like, oof. Uh, yeah, they talk about like Adam coming out and Chris is like, why didn't you tell us? And it's like, because you guys are the way you are. And why is it any of your business? Yeah, like he also notably does tell them. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he just did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so we have this car ride home where Chris and Adam are having this conversation and Chris is getting these text messages from Nick and Ortu that, you know, allege that Adam is going to do a sex crime to his best friend in this car while the friend is driving. Because that's how and, gay men be, you see. Yeah, uh, it really, like, establishes the dynamic that we're going to work through through the rest of this movie, which is Adam has come out and Chris wants to support Adam as best he can. Does not know how. Does not know how. Nick and Ortu kind of want to sweep this under the rug and -hmm. just kind of move on. And Chris sort of has to bridge that gap um, Mm -hmm. and sort of like save the dynamic. Yeah, he like promises that nothing is going to change between the four of them as Nick and Ortu are texting him about like watch out for his boner please stop yeah and why is he checking his phone while he's driving (laughs) this is 2015 in upstate new york there is no way he does not get pulled over on this drive home for texting and driving like new york has some of the wildest and like most severely enforced traffic safety laws i have ever experienced and like they're in a city they're in albany like Mm -hmm. this I just need this entire movie to grind to a screeching halt so that Chris can get a ticket. (laughs) It's the realism. That's the scene they cut, is Chris getting a ticket. (laughs) But yeah, then Adam gets home, he gets sad, and he lays down, and then we do not match cut to a scene of Chris being sad and laying down. I like, I had to rewatch this scene like two or three times uh, because... I was like, wait, is that a match cut? And then I would like look away because like the dog would bark or something. <laughs> it is not a match cut. It's it's so it close. Nice for it to be a match cut. It, it, it would have Chris been filmmaking. No, Jess is laying down. No, oh, Chris is laying down. Okay. Uh, oh, Jess okay. is in the background. Oh, okay. Um, this is where we meet Jess. Yeah. And the framing of this scene is actually kind of nice like chris is laying and i mean the fact that jess is undressing in the background like aside um the uh framing of this scene chris is like lying there in like a very classic therapy pose while he's like working through this with jess who is not interested she is undressing in the background they are about to engage um and it the framing of this scene does a lot to establish that like 
when Chris feels emotionally vulnerable, he goes to have sex with Jess. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, like Jess. I think that she is a bad person. Uh, well, Jess, yeah. <laughs> Jess is a bad person. I love she how you say that like character. it's a revelation. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like... I have in my notes here in purple. I just have Jess conceptually, mm-hmm. um, like Jess she's... decides that she knew Adam was gay because he never tried to hook up with any of her friends, which is I feel like a thing that people have said a lot uh, in real life. So Jess is a real person in my mind. She's uh, annoying. It's also just immediately textually disproven, isn't it? Isn't Chris like, no, he like fully hooked up yeah. with one of your friends it was just a while ago yeah courtney and he cried when they broke up was courtney one of her friends Mm-hmm. i think oh, that's the implication that. yeah that's what chris says in this scene oh okay fully missed uh, that but yeah this scene it should not be in this movie <laughs> because it does not further the like core group dynamic plot it does not further character development uh, it is not good. It establishes Chris, like, treating this moment as if, like, like it's about him, which is a thing that he has to work through. That's fair, but I think we get another scene that does that better later. Yeah. Um. I was also going to say, I feel like a lot of Jess's character is just uh, regurgitating a lot of, like, homophobic stereotypes mm-hmm. it absolutely like she's, already... she's immediately like makes a threesome joke and you know the thing that she says about him not hooking up with her friends or anything and like a bunch of stuff she says later like that's just that's just what her character is here for yeah and we already get that from the dudes and they get to work through it and she doesn't yeah no, Jess she is... gets kicked out of the group uh Jess is there to provide conflict in a movie that is about Chris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, we get to see Adam at work. Uh, yeah. Adam is a mechanic. Uh, this speaks to sort of the um, uh, like way that this movie is obsessed with gender in like a mm-hmm. very uninteresting way. Uh, Adam is like a very traditionally masculine man. He likes hockey and he's a mechanic and etc. etc. Um, this is also the only scene in the movie where we see Adam has a tattoo on his wrist. <laughs> Not important, but I noticed it. Uh, <laughs> and we are this introduced. Also, yeah, we're, we're introduced to his gross co worker. I don't know his name. Uh, he is credited as Paul the Stoner. Uh, I have him written in my notes as Paul the Sex Pest. Um, He's uh, very gross about... They're, like, working on a car, and he's wondering, like, if the woman who... Like, about the woman who owns it, if she's young or old, if he will be able to see her breasts. Stop. He sniffs uh, her, like, little hair clip. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it's, it's just gross. <laughs> um, yeah. it, if the actor who plays Paul, uh, 
Um, and I'm getting all of these fun facts from IMDb, so like maybe they're not true. Uh, but uh, the actor who plays Paul is uh, was an amateur boxer with a one to seventeen to five record. All nice. seventeen of his losses were knockouts. Oh boy, I believe that. Um, I do want to also say I thought it was really refreshing that Adam was a mechanic because mm -hmm. a lot of the movies that Hal and I watch uh, the gay character is some type of artist so Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed this is not a gay photography movie (laughs) I'm editing uh, the episode for what happens next right now and there's like uh, the the indicator that one character might be gay is that he is a photographer (laughs) Well, then, like, the most recent episode that I listened to was Open Cam, uh, which, like, all of the gays are artists? Yeah. Uh, That's all they can be, you see. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So this was very refreshing to me. I really liked that. Yeah, like, Adam, and by implication, all all of the men that he, like, goes on dates with or whatever are, like, normal dudes. Uh... Mm -hmm. Well, unless they are, unless they are like deeply, like permanently flawed. Um, But, but right, like that's the, the thesis of this movie is gay people. They're just like us. Yeah. That should have been the tagline. Yeah. Uh, And uh, yeah, like we have to talk about this scene because the beret, like the hair clip snip. We have to talk about this scene because Paul sniffing the hair clip is it's like foreshadowing. A, yeah, it's a setup for a payoff. Um, but I wish we did not have to talk about this scene. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, it's o- also over very quickly because then we get poker night. Adam is very nervous about poker night. The boys think maybe he won't show up. Uh, he does show up. They play poker. Uh, Chris can't remember the girl's name that he talked to, the woman at the bar, uh, fanny pack woman, and he has saved her name in her phone, in his phone as Train. Yes, and so I think, uh, we're, like, divided on this, because I brought it up in the group chat the other day. To my mind, if Chris just texts this woman and says, this is so embarrassing, but I saved your name in my phone as train that'd be perfectly fine if he was drunk if you meet a drunk dude at a bar and you hit it off and he says that he can't remember your name that's normal not even disagreeing with you but my thought was just because this movie is doing so much work to like play with uh masculine stereotypes heteronormative stereotypes etc like Mm -hmm. in general a dude not remembering the chick's name which happens often when the dude is a jerk like that's a red flag Mm -hmm. so that was the uh stereotype that chris is like leaning on here like i Mm -hmm. can't admit this it'll make me look like a jerk yes you're right but also owning up to it makes you look like not a jerk but Chris is not open-minded enough or intelligent enough to think this. <laughs> that's that's fair. Unfortunately, Chris is stupid. Like yeah, like yes. we have to have the Chris has to be an idiot because this has to come up later as like plot conflict. 
Um, but yes, uh, this is where calling this woman train comes from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, after Adam leaves poker night, uh, wait, wait, I, wait, wait, wait. Uh, there's this really great moment where Nick is bluffing and uh, Adam calls him, like, psychs him out and calls his bluff just by, like, looking deeply into his eyes. <laughs> Make so, here's the ba- thing. toxic masculinity work for you. <laughs> that would have worked my dad scene. 100%. Adam, Adam, I don't think Adam was doing that on purpose. <laughs> I think Adam oh, was I just... Oh, I thought he was. Like, Adam is doing two things. He is, like, trying to figure out what Train's name might be by looking at Chris's phone. And he is playing poker. And it seems like he's just kind of doing those two things. And Nick psychs himself out. And then Adam realizes it. And, like, applies a little bit of pressure. Interesting. That's also valid. Like, I just, I think ascribing this to adam as like a a pro strat is ascribing adam way too much agency mm, uh, he's like not that deep yet adam adam <laughs> drifts through this movie and yeah does things true. when he is forced to but yeah then adam leaves and just like in the uh basement scene when adam first came came out as soon as he leaves, the other three start, like, losing their minds. And a wonderful quote from Nick's character. I am not a gay lord. I own a fantasy football team, and I like Die Hard. <laughs> okay, but my favorite quote from this scene is when, I think it's Ortu says, Taylor Swift is a singing angel, and he's right, she is. Yeah, like... They debate on which of them must have turned Adam gay. Here is their evidence. Chris must have turned Adam gay because he wears skinny jeans and ladies deodorant. No, Ortu turned him gay by listening to Taylor Swift. No, Nick did it by via his appreciation for musical theater. And also oh, being I incredibly attractive. Oh, I was going to say, um, yeah. Taylor Swift is very beloved by many gays, by the gays, <laughs> as a general institution. So I don't know. I think that one has more So are skinny jeans and musical theater. Can I be honest I know a here? lot of straight men that wear skinny jeans. Yeah. I don't love Taylor Swift. I don't That's love okay. skinny jeans. You're allowed to be wrong. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> and I have a very complicated relationship with musical theater. Oh, yeah, not on, like, musical theater. Hey. Um, <laughs> yeah, so one thing I do want to say about this scene is that, like, competently handled, this would be a very, like, pointed scene about stereotypes and masculinity. Like, mm-hmm. this would be a scene where we sort of deconstruct all of these, like, stereotypes about what it is to be straight or to be gay and like what kind of interest these people have and that kind of just doesn't happen no instead chris just says that it's nobody's fault because there's nothing wrong with him uh, which is like good on you chris but also we could have had it (laughs) it's weird that chris says that here also because i feel like he doesn't believe it yet no, he's definitely, like, also talking to himself in this instance. Yeah, like, and again, this is a, a movie about Chris that Adam is also in. Like, 
Chris does not believe this yet, but he is like he he knows what Adam needs him to do, and he knows that like Ortu and Nick aren't going to do that work themselves, and he is like bridging that gap and like being that member of the friend group um and of there's a line at some point in this scene about like no one turned him gay he was born gay and i think over the course of the movie like chris comes to realize that like that doesn't really matter at this point in the movie chris does not believe anything chris does not have Nope. An ideology. He's nope. he's just being a good friend to Adam. And that's a great foundation. We then, then immediately we jump. Night. Yeah, we jump. We have like three or four scenes of dudes being bros like right in a row. And we jump to hockey night in Adam's living room where we it's see. super awkward. It's super awkward. There's a lot of nice set dressing. Like there's a Nerf gun on Adam's coffee, like uh coffee table. Mm-hmm. Uh he has like his hockey gloves hung up on the wall. Um, it's it's like a really and I mean this is because this film was shot almost entirely on location in real places in Albany. Um, it's like a really well put together scene and like a really mm-hmm. well put together living room. Mm-hmm. Also, like Nick or two and Chris are all on the couch and Adam is on uh, like a lazy boy, like off to the side. And so, and they keep like making sidelong glances at each other, like in silence as the hockey game plays, and it is unbearable. Yeah, and then uh, Adam finally is like, "All right, just say anything, like anything at all." And, and to which Ortu replies, <laughs> "So you really like cock, huh?" And like everyone immediately like clinches. And Adam's like, no, like, it's, it's, like, please, make, like, I know that this is not, like, right, like, Adam is trying to, like, navigate the dynamic, and he's like, we are friends, we make jokes about each other's sexual prowess, like, this is a normal thing for us, I know that you are not, like, making fun of me for being gay, the jokes just have to change a little bit, and he also then, like, rebuts the so you like cock with about as much as you like strippers uh oh no wait this happens before doesn't it no no you're you're right you're right about as about about as much as you like strippers and then chris says nah no one could be that gay that's okay so that's what i was missing the nah no one can be that gay part mm-hmm. yeah and it's like it is a nice moment of like the ice is thawing Oh, I hated this moment. <laughs> really? Wow, Rib. Yeah, because because right he now. because uh, he says, you know, oh, no one can be that gay, whatever, and they all like freeze, and that, and Adam's like, no, it's fine, you can say gay, haha, it's funny. I know you don't mean anything by it, and I just got really sad because like maybe they don't think they mean anything by it, but even if people make those jokes, like that's still shitty to hear and i hear them all the time mm-hmm. from people who like should know better and they say oh it's a joke and doesn't mean anything but like it does mean something and it makes me feel like shit so there's no way he doesn't feel like shit even if he's like lying to himself about it so here's like here uh, so here's like the di- where i read this scene differently than like how you're reading this scene because like 
Right. When when Chris says no one can be that gay, he's not. It, it is it is bros making jokes about each other's sexual prowess again, right? Like, this is what I was talking about earlier, where it's like the dynamic is the same. The nature, like the jokes, have just shifted a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I read this scene as like, ha ha, or two needs to go to horny jail. Not like, not that. Like, well, they do immediately, like, because they're watching hockey, and they do have a moment soon after this where, I don't know, something bad happens on screen. They're like, oh, that's gay or something. I don't know mm-hmm. what, what they say, but, like, I don't know. Not, but not at all connected. in this moment, they're not making that kind of joke. Yeah. That, yeah, so this is, I guess this is what I want to say is, like, in this scene, we have gay being used two different ways we have Mm -hmm. in the joke chris makes gay being used to mean homosexual and then when chris says uh i think the ref makes a call and he's like that's fucking gay gay is being used to mean inferior Mm -hmm. and i i think there is a right like there is a material difference in those two uses and I think, like, I think that's something the movie, like, wants us to get from this scene. And, like, I don't know, maybe I am giving this script, like, too much credit because I do (laughs) really, like, I've been writing on this movie a lot and it's not very well written or made. But, like, (laughs) I, I do think this is, like, a very intentional moment of, like, what is yeah. a, a, a very intentional moment highlighting this difference. Yeah, 100%. Like, I think that this is the movie, like, these characters trying to ease themselves into a dynamic where they can be kind of bro-y and poke fun at, at each other for, like, uh, you know, about their sex lives without being homophobic to Adam. They keep thinking, oh, I'm going to accidentally be homophobic even if I just say the word gay. Um, and Adam is like, no, there's a way to for you to interact with this part of me without being homophobic. And in this moment, I think that Chris, like, isn't being homophobic. And then later when he says that's so gay at the hockey call, he is because it doesn't happen overnight. Maybe. I feel like the friends haven't earned that yet in my yeah. mind. But that's a, a valid take. Mm-hmm. You, and you also have a valid take. I think your point about, like, the friends haven't earned this uh, speaks to a fundamental flaw with this movie. We have no idea how much time is passing. No. <laughs> we know that over the course of this movie, at least one week happen- One week passes <laughs> because we get yeah. two poker nights yes and that is our only real indication of the passage of time we do have Have a montage of a bunch of dates yes but those those dates could all be back to back over the course of like four days yeah that's true hockey season happens late spring early summer and then we get fourth of july so it's like at least a month maybe i don't know but what if it's a college good. game? <laughs> Let's um, say a month. Let's do that. Let's say that. <laughs> I want it to be so much longer than a month. It it, it just needs to be. Mm-hmm. But regardless, this speaks to the fundamental flaw of this 
<laughs> a fundamental flaw of this screenwriting, mm-hmm. uh, which and is that... we get that... so many, like, shots of the, the ambiance of Albany, of, like, long tracking shots of just, like, really nice brick buildings and dilapidated factories. We could see some weather that might indicate time passing if the movie wanted it wanted that to happen but like it just doesn't take that opportunity yeah just like if there's some snow on the ground in like the first scene which they Mm -hmm. couldn't do because they shot this movie in two weeks but um (laughs) it would it would just totally like an actual sense of the passage of time would totally change the dynamic of this movie Mm -hmm. um back to the scene at hand uh (laughs) so Uh Adam has to all then they all take turns just saying the word gay out loud in order to get it out of their systems because they're so uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's the, like therapy. The note I have here is let's sit in a circle and chant gay. Which I have <laughs> done with my friends before, but they were all also <laughs> queer, so <laughs> I've never done it with a room full of straight men. <laughs> Sounds terrifying. Yeah, that uh, doesn't sound like it would end well. <laughs> Um, yeah, Adam gets up to answer the doorbell. It is Martha. He is returning her Tupperware. In the meantime, the boys just get on Adam's Tinder account. Yeah, (laughs) he's on DudeMingle.com. He's, like, left his tablet on the table, and they're snooping. This is real friendship shit. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Uh, I have also transcribed... Adam's entire <laughs> Dude Mingle account. Um, Please enlighten us. So, first of all, and this is a plot point, Adam's photo is terrible. Yes. Like, it's blurry, you cannot tell it's him, he's in a garage with, like, a red Solo cup. Which prompts Ortu to say, for a gay dude, he sure can't take a photo. Which did hurt. Because as a gay dude with no fashion or real artistic sense, eat me. Um, <laughs> uh, his bio, I am a young guy just looking to meet some new people. Movies. Hey, you, you and everyone else on this app. Right, it's like, why are we here if not to meet new people? Movies. Titanic. St. Elmo's Fire, Dances with Wolves, Amelie, First Wives Club, West Side Story, Toy Story 3. At this point, I no longer like Adam as a character. (laughs) Books, The Shining, Romeo and Juliet. Ew. The Shining version, the book version of The Shining? The book version of The Shining. Uh, Anything David Sedaris. At this point, I don't like Adam, but I am Adam. (laughs) Uh, Interests. Hanging out with my friends, spending time with my family, trying to pick up a hockey stick, tasting new brews. At this point, I have swiped left on Adam. (laughs) Uh, We also see... uh, Brad Star's profile, who is like mm-hmm. the first man Adam goes on a date with. Uh, the, the picture is of a very jacked man taking a mirror selfie. And that's important. 
everything and he's shirtless. Everything mm-hmm. written in his profile is about um is about fitness. Again, mm. I would swipe left on this man. <laughs> I am not yeah. matching with Brad Star. No, that's a terrible name. Yeah. <laughs> um, Brad bad. So then we get the moment where uh the refs make a bad call, uh or someone is coming back into the room and so they have to pretend like the refs made a bad call and like the the boys make noise to indicate that they were not just snooping on Adam's dating profile. Mm-hmm. Uh which is when Chris says, "So fucking gay. No offense, Adam." Martha and walks Martha. into the room. Why would why would Adam be offended by you saying the word gay? Hmm? Specifically, Chris... you said something about the gays, and then you said, "No offense, Adam." Mm-hmm. I unironically love Martha. I'm gonna be honest; she's so <laughs> annoying, but I think she's also hilarious. Like Martha sucks in the correct way. Like yes, yeah, <laughs> Martha is a good character who is a terrible person yeah it's wonderful she's also the best written woman in this movie yeah probably like that sucks (laughs) she is a woman with agency ideology and like she she is she does things other than further men's character development Mm mm-hmm I also thought it was weird because she's also like her main purpose is to represent the extremely conservative religious community here, implying that religion is somewhat important to Adam. Yet we never and it's supposedly important to his family and we never see that addressed at all. And I was confused about it. Mm-hmm. I think it's like so I one, I think it's like culturally important, but not like important in practice. Like, it seems like all of these people have, like, went to the same church and, like, this one church is kind of what their community is built around. Because, like, mm-hmm. Father O'Malley is at the, 4th the of July. party at the end. Um, They're Christmas and Easter Catholics. Got ya. <laughs> uh, I also think that um, she is meant to, right, like, I I was looking through reviews of this movie from around when it came out and I saw one that was like, like the way Martha is portrayed prevents any real life Martha's from like taking the message of this movie to heart. Mm. But like this movie isn't for real life Martha's. This movie is for real life Chris, Nick and Ortiz. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And uh yeah i mean she is just there as like comic relief basically um uh but yeah she sees adam's dating profile um which is or not adam's dating profile brad's dating profile (laughs) yeah freaks out uh has the best line in the entire movie i'm gonna lay down decent people lay down (laughs) yeah I'm going to lay down. Decent people lie down when it's late. I am a decent person. As she is like <laughs> muttering and walking out of the room with her Tupperware. <laughs> and then we get a bunch of menopause jokes. Oh boy. Oh, I forgot about those. I 
full i blocked out like half the misogyny in this movie i'm gonna be honest it is the only way to get through this movie (laughs) uh like there are several points in this movie where i have to like pause it get up walk around the house just like unclench every muscle in my body (laughs) um and then we get uh, another contender for best scene in this movie, which is we have these mirrored dates. Uh, mm-hmm. Adam is going on a date with Brad. Chris is going on a date with Train. Um, yeah. The restaurant that Adam is in uh, and the restaurant where all of Adam's dates happen, except for the one with Mark, um, is a real restaurant uh, in Albany. By all accounts, it looks very nice. Um, it's like an Italian place. Uh, yeah. Really it's, distinct from Olive Garden. Yeah, uh, it is, uh, I think it's like an Irish-American it, pub. It's called mm. like the Madison Poorhouse, I think. Um, oh, okay. Regardless, uh, it exists. <laughs> um <laughs> And we have, so like I said, we have these two mirrored scenes where like Adam is on a date with Brad and Chris is on a date with Train. Um, And this is like a pretty like well done sequence. Like Mm -hmm. Adam's date with Brad, like it quickly becomes evident that like Brad was catfishing him and is like this old like guy who needs to go to horny jail. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, really gross. (laughs) uh, He wants to lock Adam in his sex basement. Um. Meanwhile, Chris and Train are having, like, a very, like, uh, good date. And then Chris starts to talk about uh, Adam how, coming out and, like... Uh, how it's as, affecting him. Yeah, as as Train rightfully says, like, uh, you, like, this is about Adam. You are making it about you. And... Stop that. I kind of take issue with this. Okay. So Interesting. <laughs> one, I think we have already seen that Chris knows that he needs to do he needs to do what Adam needs from him, right? Mm-hmm. He is doing that. He is being that person for Adam. And he is now in an environment where Adam is not there. And he is, like, expressing how this is affecting him. Mm-hmm. Which I think he has a right to do. Like yeah. With a stranger, though? I, That's kind of weird. So, I mean... Well, he can't talk to the boys about it. Yeah, he can't talk to the boys no about it, and he can't talk to Jess about it. Mm-hmm. Um, he needs some new no, friends. No, he has three friends. Everyone in this movie has three friends. Yeah, like, this scene either needs to happen before Hockey Night or Hockey Night needs to happen differently. Mm -hmm. Um, But for what it's worth, Train takes him to the mat. Train is an ally. I also think that Train is bi. (laughs) The first time watching it, I thought she secretly was until we get the revelation later about um, her brother. But Mm -hmm. Yeah. but I, I do think that, like, I don't know, like, I have a lot of complicated feelings about this movie. I think that, like, Chris needs someone to talk to about this. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that Train should not be that person. But I also think that it's just like not a good scene where it is in this film. Mm-hmm. Well, the purpose of it is to s- help him realize that things shouldn't stay the same with the friend group, right? That things need to change. He starts like Chris starts being actually more, concerned about Adam's proactive. mental health and like mm-hmm. realizing I don't actually think Adam is happy. But we get the so, next scene, which I think does that again better. But he wouldn't have asked if he didn't get yelled at. Mm. fair fair I guess ultimately then like my problem with this scene is that just like this is a movie about Chris that Adam is also in like yeah and also like Train's like Train doesn't get to be a person her purpose is to steer Chris onto the right path yeah she's just reacting to Chris's character arc yeah, definitely. Uh, that sucks. Uh, yeah, but I and, do think that scene's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think like maybe what I want is one more date with Train, where like mm. like Chris is able to like they're able to develop a relationship where it like makes more sense for him to start like talking about these things to her. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe if Chris said, I just need to talk to someone about this. I can't talk to the boys and I can't talk to Adam and my friends with benefits is homophobic. Can I talk to you about this? You seem to know things. Oh, but then this movie would have to be interested in gender in like a productive way. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I didn't even want her. I actually wanted her in the movie less, mm. uh, to be honest, because the movie is mainly about this these friendships between the four guys, right? And stuff that detracted from that, um, I thought was disappointing. That's because, fair. you know, as you said, she's not a real person. So her relationship, uh, in the beginning, it just exists, you know, to to force Chris to realize he needs to do more, which is great. Uh, but then she, like, comes back in multiple other times, and I didn't want her to. Because mm-hmm. she doesn't add anything. Yeah, in the version of this movie where Chris is the main character, I think she's a lot better. Uh, But that is not the version of the movie we get. Yeah. We get a very important moment with Brad. We get a very important moment with Brad where Brad is bragging about his sex dungeon. Uh And he says, quote, I have an Xbox 360. (laughs) <laughs> would any of you like to guess the release date of the xbox 360 i mean my xbox one was old when i got it in 2016 so i can't imagine <laughs> the xbox 360 was released on november 22nd 2005 Oh, good. <laughs> this that makes movie, sense for Brad's character. <laughs> oh, it's it's like, like uh, it's like one of those instances where this movie is actually good, <laughs> uh, right? This movie was released in February of 2016 in the U.S. Like this is a moment that sheds light on Brad's character, and it's really well done. Um, 
glad that Brad is a more fully realized human than Train is. I, the more I watch this movie, the more I'm convinced that Brad is actually, like, a good person once he stops catfishing. <laughs> he's, like, he's a little horny, but he's, yeah, he's a like good person. He's, like, overbearing in kind of a weird way. But if he works through that, it's fine. Uh, he's also potentially cheating on his wife. We don't no, know. No, they have an arrangement. That's not clear to me. He says, he's... I'll sneak you some of her food later. Oh, Why are you sneaking if there's an arrangement? <laughs> that is true. I think, it's, I think it's a secret. He says that, that he's line. happily married. And so I yeah. thought, oh, and... they must have a, a thing. Yeah, and he's like... No, that's not the vibe I get. Um, right, like, a big revelation later in this movie is, like, uh, you know, communication is the key to any healthy relationship... Mm-hmm. And Brad is delivers like, that message. I, yeah, Brad delivers that message and is like, I've been happily married for 17 years. I think, and the way that moment lands, like, I think it makes sense for us to assume that this is something that Brad's wife knows about. Mm-hmm. Oh, Maybe I got the complete just... opposite vibe. <laughs> I was like, he's... oh, this bit of irony, haha, <laughs> because he's keeping the secret from his wife. Oh my god, someone's calling me. Why is someone calling me? Who are you? Don't oh, answer wait. if you don't know them. No, I'm not. I'm not. It was an 800 number. Ew. Um, sorry. Okay. That's just going to be a noise that I have to get rid of. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? He Maybe he's, he's going to have to sneak the food uh, during the hypothetical 4th of July date uh, because Adam will be tied up in the sex basement. <laughs> Can you imagine a less erotic food than potato salad? <laughs> applesauce. Oh, you cut out there. I didn't. I didn't hear what you said. Applesauce. Just sauce. Applesauce. Oh, sauce. Sauce of the apple. <laughs> it kept cutting off. Oh, so you that just you were kept just saying, saying sauce. sauce. Like, what? Am I? Is this like some weird uh, term that I don't understand? Anyway. Discord. I'm howling at the moon. Uh, um, yeah. So, Brad. <laughs> Brad. So Adam Brad's is uncomfortable. Gross. Adam is uncomfortable, uh, which might be a good name for this episode. Um, Huey Lewis in the news. On uh, vinyl. vinyl. In the sex basement. <laughs> is how Brad is selling the sex basement. Vinyl so and Adam an please. Xbox. I mean, <laughs> I'm set for life. <laughs> uh and then Adam, like, drives off, leaving Brad waiting for a kiss. And it's, yeah, like, top like, ten anime betrayals. <laughs> He's in his truck. And Brad is outside, still trying to get him to come to the sex basement because his wife is out of town. And Adam is like, I have to go water my plants. And uh, Brad thinks that this is some kind of innuendo. And so he's like, oh, how does that go? And Adam goes, uh, it goes like this. You close your eyes and, uh, and then he drives away. <laughs> uh, cut to the next morning. Uh, Adam and Chris are eating lunch at a deli. Um, with, like, they are clearly sitting at a table that is supposed to be, like, against one wall of the restaurant. 
mm-hmm. with their backs to the middle of the room. <laughs> I cannot imagine a less comfortable way to eat a meal. <laughs> Just like a very, as much as I was like complimenting the scene design in like Adam's living room, here it is unfathomable to me. Uh, yeah. I. Uh, then, like they they talk about their respective dates, and uh, Chris checks on his boy. He's like, "How you feeling, buddy? <laughs> Check on your boys." Yeah, and Adam says, "You guys are trying." I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Which I think Adam like genuinely means. Like I, I think Adam is like being His standards tr- are so low, the poor guy. Yeah. yeah and they like, are trying. They're just not very good at it. Yeah, and Chris yeah, Chris reads between the lines. Um mm-hmm. Adam also outs Scott Lombardi, a mutual friend yeah. uh who he had a thing with in high school. Uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, we built Scott Lombardi's Camaro together and banged possibly on the hood of this Camaro. <laughs> I uh, hope so. That sounds great. <laughs> um, and Chris has like some really like awful lines about how like, oh, she's train is different. She wears mm-hmm. a fanny pack to a bar. She likes she's mojitos confident. and Ghostbusters. Yeah. Only different girls like Ghostbusters. Only different girls <laughs> like mojitos. He's like, yeah, I was so she's confused when he said and has lives. interests. She's better than me, dog. Like, like, is his only experience with women, Jess, ever? Is that the only female he's ever met in his entire life? I think <laughs> his only experience with women is with women like Jess. Is the implication? Mm. Uh, but. Even like, Jess has to have interests. I hate that this weird like interpretation of her, where she's nothing but you know this terrible person. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jess doesn't get to get doesn't get to be a person because this movie yeah. is the way that it is. Like Jess is not a person; she is a plot obstacle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And I Adam Adam says uh, that he he says I just want someone like he's like hasn't been it with anyone since high school except for Courtney who maybe was a beard, um, and he like is lonely and like wants to meet someone but doesn't have the like confidence to do that and you can see the gears turn in Chris's head you can see him decide. To get Adam laid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which we then cut to, we're back in Ortu's basement, we're pre-gaming, presumably another night out on the bar, or at, on the bars, and Chris is talking to Nick and Ortu and is like, we, like, we need to do more for Nick. Like, we are trying, it is not enough. For Adam. For Adam. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah. like he's sad, we need to cheer him up. And Nick says, "Well, I'm not gonna let him bang me." <laughs> Chris is like, "No one wants to bang you." And <laughs> Nick says, "Well, that's just not true." I've banged I three love- and a half girls this past month. <laughs> I love how Nick also thinks like 
Chris says, you know, we need to cheer him up. And Nick thinks, oh, I know just the way to do that. So next time they're hanging out, he uh, asks Adam, what's a power bottom? Yes, literally <laughs> the next scene, scene. Yeah, because in this scene, Ortu and Chris call Nick out on the fact that he's not very emotionally emotionally mature. He's like, they're like, you always just answer everything with a your mom joke. Uh, and so Nick decides to be a better person and starts the greatest journey. <laughs> there is one character in this movie who develops and it is Nick. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So... In the very next scene, they're like working on Nick's ridiculous uh, sports car thing. It's like bright orange. Uh, and yeah, Nick's like, hey, what's a power bottom? And Adam says, I'm not answering that because you're just going to make a bunch of butt jokes. Uh, and Nick's like very sincerely like, no, I just I want to know stuff. And so uh, then Chris is like, well, I read this article on Kinsey, who was a sex scientist in uh, mid 20th century. And <laughs> Nick's like, yeah, send that to me. And so the specific line is read any good books lately any yeah. literature yeah <laughs> nick has never read before this moment no nick knows how not. to read he has never read <laughs> um and you can like in the last scene you know how you said you can see the gears turning in chris's head in this scene you can see the gears like grinding in nick's head <laughs> and the they smoke like, coming out of his ears yeah. <laughs> I think Cordover Street is genuinely genuinely gives the best performance of anyone mm-hmm. in this movie. It's so good. Um Yeah. Uh, then we get them setting Adam up on Tinder. Just a terrible scene full of terrible advice. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and they all let us know that women are a different species, I guess. Of course. Uh, no one and knows what they, they like to do. Fart. Women do, do they have fart. any interests? <laughs> <laughs> women do not fart, and if you fart around them, they will die. <laughs> um, I will say, this at least is directly spoken back to. Right. The, so the advice is that as a gay man, you have the advantage because you are a man dating mm-hmm. men. Yes. But Adam is like, no, I have to think about whether or not I'm going to get hate crimed if I flirt with a guy. Which is true. Mm-hmm. And then, in the context of uh, the date, is also, like, this idea that, like, men connect with men romantically easier than they do with women... And also, I guess that men don't care about farts is also, <laughs> like, spoken back to. Like, it's a really mm-hmm. un-nuanced, but, like, not yeah. inaccurate, like, idea of, like, gender. Mm-hmm. Adam like, isn't gonna, like, automatically get, ar- get along with every gay guy that he meets just because he's also a gay guy. Uh, yeah, and that, like gay men can also have standards like not mm-hmm. farting uh, in, in a car while you're making out with them. Uh, but we They get, ate those nachos together. They did eat those nachos together. Um, so we get two montages right in a row and they kind of blend together. Uh, mm-hmm. We get the bro montage uh, 
which is like just you know what's better than this dudes being bros Mm -hmm. they like work out yeah they play basketball together they cuddle at movie night cuddle your bros yeah so martha thinks they're all in love yeah (laughs) that's a different movie yeah nick and or so two important things happen in this movie or in this montage one (laughs) they update adam's dude mingle profile Mm -hmm. uh his photo is good now it's just him smiling you can tell it's him he looks nice he's not like clearly blasted helping your friends set up a dating profile is a love language his bio now reads i was born and raised (laughs) in upstate ny looking to expand my horizons and meet new people Mm -hmm. movies largely the same with the additions of Scarface and The Godfather. <laughs> Which his, becomes important. His interests and books are unchanged. So still would not swipe right on Adam. <laughs> uh, but apparently people are because he has like 23 new matches. <laughs> yeah. He uh, goes on some dates with a very loud man who has not addressed his uh, toxic masculinity or internalized homophobia and really likes Scarface, uh, with another guy who is super paranoid about getting clocked while on this date, and with another guy who is not over his ex and keeps talking about how big his ex's dick was, uh, and then with a nice young man with earrings. Yeah, so I have these four men written in my notes as Scarface, Biface, Tony would have hated this place, and Nachos. Yes. (laughs) They have names. (laughs) They are credited by these names. Mm, These names are not in the text. No. Um... But he gets along the most with the last guy who is very handsome. He has extremely good hair and he's wearing nice earrings and uh, they get nachos on the first date, which like uh, gives Adam gas because there's beans in there. They ate those nachos together is what I want to say, because then they're making out in Adam's truck and Adam farts and uh, his date leaves uh, because of that and like. I don't know. I think that's a very small obstacle. I thought that was really rude. Yeah. It's also like... He doesn't even say anything. He just They leaves. ate those nachos to get... It's, it's so, like, artificial. Like, mm-hmm. why are they making out in his truck in the parking lot? <laughs> why are these the loudest farts anyone has ever released... <laughs> like it's that's not true <laughs> I, why is there no music why isn't the ac running like mm-hmm. this is upstate new york in the summer like it's not south carolina but like it is hot yeah you can just also you just open a window if it's like that much of a problem yeah um it's awful and I hate it. I mean, if it ruins the moment, I still don't know why you wouldn't, like, try for a second date. Yeah. 
They like, clearly, they were just making they out in the car it. because they didn't want to continue the date past that. Like, it's the first date. Maybe you don't want to go back to the house on the first date, and that's fine. But, like, why not try again later? They bonded over gardening. Adam grows tomatoes. Yeah, these these men have common interests and, like, compatible personalities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this montage, like, exists to prove the bros wrong about dating being easier for Adam because you can fart in front of men. It also Yeah, I do like what it's trying to do with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, It also unfortunately exists to um, kind of articulate uh, incorrect ways to be queer. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, first of all, Scarface uses the word queer like as a slur um uh you know mm-hmm. feels bad there's it f- feels bad there's feels bad uh, feels inorganic by by phase who is like super worried about being clocked like super like caught up in like i'm not bisexual or i'm not gay i'm bisexual and it's like feels bad mm-hmm Tony would have hated this place is like sex obsessed and like otherwise obsessive. Uh, and it's like, and then we have Nachos who is like a very normal, you know, in scare quotes, dude. Like he's wearing a cardigan. He has like a short haircut. He's got an earring. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's appealing just because he's not immediately, like, homophobic or something. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. That's the only reason. Um, I will also, like, say here, like, as much as this movie, like, has a problem, like, with misogyny, it is less, uh, you know, emphasis here on less uh, racist than a lot of, like, other movies because... Mm-hmm. Like, people of color are positioned as, like, potential romantic interests um, mm-hmm. to the white main character. Uh, there are no people of color in, like, the main cast. main roles, but um, a point in its credit. <laughs> yeah, it's not as bad as it could have been. <laughs> uh then we get Adam talking to the boys about this last date and they and like Chris admonishes him for getting nachos on the first date. Uh, and then Adam is like, I am going to have dinner with my parents and I'm going to come out to them. And all of them are like, whoa, really? And so he asks for backup and <laughs> Nick and Ortu are like, uh, ooh, ah, I don't know. Specifically, yeah, Ortu says, friends. Michelle and I have a Groupon. <laughs> which first of all Groupon second of all this is only the like second time we've heard of Ortu's very serious committed girlfriend mm-hmm. they get engaged at the end and she is in one scene the I scene really where they get that. engaged mm-hmm. I really hate that so much but we're not there yet so I won't rant yet um, I felt really terrible for Adam that his friends didn't want to be there for moral support that was rude Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris does agree to go, which is like nice. Like Chris is trying. 
Yeah. Uh, also, Nick is reading a copy of Sexology in this scene. <laughs> uh, yes, Nick. Nick has advanced from just like reading about like Kinsey in the abstract to like really getting into theory. Mm-hmm. Um. We have another scene where Adam practices coming out again uh, with Chris role-playing as his parents. Um, he made note cards uh, in case his parents, like, react badly. And on those note cards are just the names of gay men. Uh, no, he has lesbians, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also, my least favorite line in the entire movie occurs in this scene. Where... Mm. Chris is like anti-clocks. Yes. Chris is like, uh, what's the worst that could happen? Adam says, uh, like, my mom They hate me. My mom will hate me, and my dad is disappointed that I'll never give him grandchildren. And Chris says, You're gay, not sterile. And your dad collects antique clocks. He'll understand. (laughs) What does it mean? Also, we don't see any antique clocks in this house. So we do. Where we, is this collection? What we we do see the antique clocks. They're oh, like okay. there's there are a couple <laughs> on the wall, um, at different points. Uh, okay. We do see them though. Um, my gender is antique clock collector. <laughs> um, so we have the dinner. Uh, Adam's mom is played by Kate Flannery, who played Meredith in The Office. Um, Karen. Her name's literally Karen. Oh, yeah. It, her name. I was like, wait, did I get it wrong? I thought it was Meredith. Uh, no, yeah. yeah. I know. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I've the never mom's, seen The Office. The mom's name is Karen. Um, I, I, they Adam's, talk about how her his eighth grade girlfriend is back in town. Uh, and he should, like, go see her. They're doing this thing where they have latched on to the one friend whose name uh, they can remember and are obsessed with them and assume that Adam is also obsessed with this person. Yeah. Uh, importantly, uh, Adam's sister is in this scene. Her name is mm-hmm. Lindsay. Not that it matters. She disappears. <laughs> um, and Adam tries to come out and, like, crashes... End of scene. He says, I, Elton John. It's incredible, <laughs> yes. Um, we have a scene where the boys are playing foosball. Um, I feel like this is really only important because Martha brings over a cake. Mm-hmm. I, along, a cake of the Virgin Mary... Along with flyers for a gay conversion institution. Camp Leviticus. Um, And Nick has apparently read, like, the DSM-5. And is like, yeah, no, actually, there's no evidence for this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thanks so much. Autumn, is it sacrilegious to eat this Virgin Mary cake? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> um, the flower in Martha's hair matches the cake. They are the same <laughs> shade of yellow. 
Uh, and then we learn that uh, Adam and Chris are going on a double date with Jess and one of her gay friends. His name is Mark. Also his name boys... is Mark Peters because he introduces himself with his full name at one point. He's credited as Mark the Artist also. Um, yeah, my, uh. my notes for this uh, scene. Mm-hmm. Date with Mark, in parentheses, this scene has a thesis. Yes. Also, I as an aside, Mark's name down. lighting hadn't been invented yet. No. <laughs> the problem, like, a fundamental problem with the filmmaking of this movie is that so much of it is shot on location, and they seem to just use the ambient light. Yeah. This movie is bad to look at. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I actually thought the lighting was a lot better in this movie than many of the films Hal and I watch. But uh, that bar I could see is what really was going low. on. That You're right, but like, super low. but I could see what was going on in the yeah. movie, and for that reason, the lighting's incredible. Actually, <laughs> fair. Uh, so Adam's date is Mark. He's an artist. He wears a scarf. He's super pretentious. Um, he sucks. He's so stuck up. He's a dude that sucks. Yeah, unimpressed with uh, Adam being a mechanic. He's like, I can't imagine living every day of my life not creating art. And like, one, you don't know if he has like a more creative hobby. Two, yeah, what? You can, mechanics is like working with machines and building stuff. That's art, you idiot. Yeah, I thought that too. I was like, like wait a minute, he's creating stuff. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, Ad- Adam is very genuinely, like, a good, like, productive mechanic. Like, he has a satisfying life, and hobbies that he enjoys leave him alone. Yeah. Um. Adam asks Mark what he paints, and Mark says, <laughs> Mostly abstract, postmodern deconstructionalism peppered with neoclassical ideologies. Yeah, shut up. This does not mean anything. I know what those words mean individually. And like the first half, I can sort of picture. I don't know how you work neoclassical ideologies specifically into a painting. Like, I know what neoclassical paintings are. And I don't, like, I feel like... That tone, though, makes me automatically not listen. Yeah. If you're going to talk to me like that, I no longer care what you have to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Which is a shame, because he's, like, kind of cute. Uh, <laughs> no, he's Oh, not. God, no. <laughs> um, then Brad shows up. Brad is here. Mark and Jess go out for a smoke break. Brad is here. Uh, he immediately is like, oh, so this is why you're not messaging me. You're with this guy. And yeah, block him. <laughs> and, uh... Uh, Chris is like, oh no, we're not dating. And Adam, because he's panicking, is like, we're engaged. And Chris, God love him, rolls with it. I mean, Adam also wants to fuck with Brad. Like, Also that. Uh, which, this entire scene is just Chris and Adam fucking with people. Yeah. <laughs> um... Mark and Jess come back while Brad is still there. Brad brings up the basement again. I hate this man. <laughs> yeah, he's so... Oh, and then Mark says a gross line, too. Mm-hmm. Mark is also terrible because he's like, wait, Chris, I thought you were straight. And then 
Oh, what does he say? He says, call it bisexual if that makes you sleep better at night. So disgusting. So the way in this scene the lake, goes, put him in the lake. Oh, this is New York, so you could just put him in the ocean. Uh, not not Albany. Albany is. Uh, you could probably put him in a river. It's worth the drive. Um. So the way this scene goes is, uh, Mark says something to the effect of, "I should have like known with your perfect hair and those look at my ass jeans." Uh, no, it's look at my crotch. Jeans. Look at the look at my crotch jeans. Yes, uh, and then like Chris and Adam are trying to explain, like, no, we were just fucking with this guy, and Mark cuts them off with, "Call it bisexual if it helps you sleep at night," which starts uh, begins uh, Chris's spiral into questioning his sexuality. <laughs> it would have if this movie was better. If. Chris questioned his sexuality like Chris is like this is such a frustrating movie because it's a movie that wants to be about Chris but won't let itself be about Chris yeah Um, I genuinely thought he was going to have a sexuality crisis the first time I watched it mm -hmm. um Chris calls train and leaves a... Vo- oh, wait, no, I'm skipping ahead, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because Mark, like, storms off, and uh, Jess accuses uh, uh, Adam of being homophobic, but she's the homophobic one, actually. She, <laughs> she storms says, you're off. hating on your own kind. Yeah. She storms off. Chris follows her, uh, and she's like you know, like, Adam wants to date you, and that is why he's acting like this. Um, She's also like, I thought that they would get along because they're both gay. He's gay, and he's gay. Obviously, Uh, they should just bang. Yeah. Um, Jess says, quote, I'm a girl, and I notice these things as evidence that Adam is actually in love with Mark. Mm -hmm. I love the power that that girls automatically possess. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I mean, it is, anecdotally, it is true to my experience that women have better gaydar than I do. <laughs> Textually, it is not true to the experience of this movie mm-hmm. that Jess has gaydar. No. Or really any form of empathy. <laughs> no. Uh, so Chris is like psyched out by that idea, comes back to the table, and... Uh, Uh, Adam goes, do you want to get gay? And he goes, what? As a parallel to, like, the earlier scene. (laughs) And once again, they are doing shots. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. They get really drunk. Adam encourages Chris to, like, call uh, call train. He leaves. Uh, He's like, girls like her don't go for guys like me because she's, like, confident and cool. Uh, She has a personality. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, he he does work up the courage to like leave her a very bad, very drunk voicemail, and it is genuinely cute. Like, yeah, he's just like wishing you a good day. <laughs> uh, we get Adam at work part two. Uh, he... Enter and, and love a cute interest. boy is here. Cute boy. <laughs> Paul starts to give Adam like what. I can't tell if it's, like, genuinely good advice or, like, yeah. p- 
pickup artist shit. Because he's, he's like... like Take him back to your place, rent a horror movie, light some candles. They appreciate that. Yeah, he's like... The advice boils down to, like, do things that women like in order to, like, make them happy. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, like, not fundamentally bad advice, but he follows it up with, ten minutes later, you'll have your shorts off. Yeah. Um, which... One of the re- many Ruins reasons it. I fled the South is because I could never go on a date with someone who's wearing shorts. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> What's, please say more. What's wrong with shorts? Okay. Shorts? Uh-huh. Shorts make me anxious. Okay. All clothes make me anxious. Shorts okay. make me much more anxious. Is it the knees? It's, yes. It's the yes. It's everything about it. Like, Uh and I mean, a huge part of it is that, like, all of the men I encountered in, like, college who frequently wore shorts were, like, very fratty. So I just have, like, Mm. bad associations with shorts. Okay. So there's a guy, he's coming in, he's got this Toyota with kayaks on top, uh, and he, like, there's his car is making a noise, uh, Adam sees him and, like, immediately, like, tries to freshen himself up, uh, <laughs> they have this moment with hands, they're, like, trying to pop the, the hood of, uh, his car, and, um, like, he can't quite get it and Adam gives him a hand with it and they like you know brush thumbs or whatever and this seems really cute and also this guy we learn later that his name is Matt Matt is very cute Matt's hot Matt is Matt is hot he has like salt and pepper hair he has like um very good eyes very good eyes a lot of chest hair like peeking out of his like shirt (laughs) that's undone maybe one too many buttons like Mm -hmm. they knew how to make this character, like, sexually appealing. appealing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ortu is, like, inviting everyone to the 4th of July party to set up our grand finale. And then they debate if the cute boy from work is gay. Based on uh, <laughs> the boys not knowing shit about queer queer coding and clothing and fashion. Oh, I mean, it doesn't really... Ooh, my nose just fell on the floor. It doesn't really seem like Adam mm-hmm. knows anything either. Yeah. Actually, like, his whole basis is kind of... I mean, feel free to disagree with me, but I feel like his whole basis for thinking that... Um, what's his name? Matt is gay is because they have the the moment of eye contact, which yeah. that's valid because eye contact is very gay, you know, but also... <laughs> they ask him a bunch of questions, and one of them is, could did he have, like, a visible waistline on his underwear? And mm. Adam says... I, you know, I couldn't see it, but if I had to guess, if if I, I couldn't see it, but if I had to guess, I would say, and the subtitles say that it is inaudible, but he, <laughs> that angered but, me. Yeah. <laughs> first of all, it's not, <laughs> he's, he's saying to exist, which is the name of an underwear brand that is popular among the gays. Mm. You think they couldn't okay. get they couldn't get the the brand deal. I don't. Yeah, I don't the know. Subtitles betrayed me in that moment. Cool. They, 
They could get permission to show the Toyota logo. So, yeah, this movie is so bizarre because, like, they explicitly say Prius, but they don't show the Toyota logo. They explicitly Mm. say Tinder, but all of the screen simulations are dude mingle. Dude mingle. I thought that was really weird. Like, it felt like a mistake they made rewriting, including the word Tinder. What I think probably happened is that they recorded with all the brand names in... And then, like, when they went to do the screen sim, like, the screen sim, because you can tell that Adam's not actually touching the screen. (laughs) They couldn't get the rights to Tinder, or they couldn't make Tinder look right on the iPad or whatever. So they made up Dude Mingle. Mm -hmm. Dude Mingle is, like, among the fake, legally distinct from Grindr names in the TV-verse better than some yeah but that's not saying much to be honest (laughs) on how to get away with murder they called it humper oh no oh 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 and it's a very serious tv show and this app actually comes up during a murder investigation at a very serious moment and like they get evidence based on someone's humper profile and so they have to talk about it very seriously we should watch that show I truly hate that. That's so bad. (laughs) I'm going to think about that all day now. Thanks for ruining the vibe. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, Then to uh, Nick and in order to prove that Adam making strong, good eye contact with this other man was in fact a gay moment, Nick and Ortu play gay chicken and they both lose. Which proves that that Matt must be gay because they are unable to stare lovingly into each other's eyes. Are straight men okay? No. Um. I I have wait, I have to counterpoint. I know several straight men who would have no problem doing that uh eye contact little challenge they have. So mm-hmm. these particular straight men are especially not okay. Maybe you know some exceptional straight men. As a gay who is very uncomfortable with eye contact, but very good at staring contests, I would like I would crush this competition and it would mean nothing. Yeah. That's also a good point that like if they were actually gay, wouldn't it be harder for them to keep eye contact? Or more likely to be harder for them to keep eye contact because there were, like, legit feelings and it wasn't the meaningless fun that it is supposed to be. Yeah. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. This all feeds into Z's uh, conspiracy theory about this movie originally revolving around Chris because it is wall-to-wall straight gays. (laughs) P-A-Z-E. Yeah. And Chris is just so much more interesting. Mm -hmm. Adam is... Like, Adam is is very, like, self-actualized very early on in this movie and stays mm-hmm. pretty consistent. Yeah. Yeah, he has no nothing to work through. The only thing potentially for him to work through is coming out to his parents. Mm-hmm. Which, and that's like, basically it. Yeah, it, like, coming out to his parents is difficult, but, like, not really an art yeah and it's such a small part of the movie it doesn't really matter that much in terms of the plot of the film so he really has no arc 
Well, he just cut it there so that his friends can have arcs. Yeah, and this is why they contrive the the drama with Chris later. But yeah, I would like to before we move on from this scene, just say that this is my least favorite scene in the entire movie. What specifically? I love this scene. It's just a bunch of straight men like listing clothing items that they think are gay. Like clothes, clothing items, gay stereotypes. There's a a line about how did he eat a banana and <laughs> like Nick's book is conveniently apparently about North Korea. Yeah. And about how that they don't weird. have bananas in North Korea. It's yeah, like what? that didn't need to be there. I forgot about the the North Yeah, and it also doesn't fit with like any of the other books he reads, so it's yeah. extra weird here. Um, that didn't need to be there. You're absolutely right. But the rest, I mean, like the eye contact thing, I legitimately thought was funny. Yeah, so. and like Nick, uh, or Cord Overstreet and John Gabris, who play Nick and Ortu, are genuinely very good actors and very good physical actors. Like mm-hmm. this scene, that moment works. Just all mm-hmm. of the dialogue surrounding this scene is terrible. Yeah, it's real bad. But yeah, then we go directly back to Adam at work talking to. Uh, well, sitting in Matt's Prius. Oh, no. And then he snoops and sniffs his chapstick. Why yeah. would you do that? That's weird. I can't support that. So, and that happened, and I had to pause. And then he tells him, Matt comes back to get his car. Yeah. And he's like, you forgot your chapstick. At that point, you throw the chapstick away. Yeah. You don't just, admit to having the chapstick. Like, you could just be like, hey, I opened your glove box to, like, get the manual out or something, and Mm -hmm. this fell out and I forgot to put it back. Yeah. Okay. That's a... If he was better at lying. See, he's not Mm -hmm. good at lying, so we can't trust him to pull that off. It's a miracle that he stayed in the closet this long. (laughs) Yeah. So at that point, you gotta throw the chapstick away. And just, Mm -hmm. Matt will think he lost it somehow, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Chapstick's he does, like a dollar. He does know that that was a stupid thing to say. Matt drives off and he's like, I smelled it? Why did I say that? Yeah, but like, oh my god. <laughs> the, this scene happens in like two halves, right? There's the first half where Adam is like sitting in the Prius snooping and then he gets like called to go away to deal with like a triple A call mm-hmm. and Paul the stoner is like, no, let me go so I can be a sex pest. And (laughs) Ronnie's like, no, you're a sex pest. Ronnie who owns the garage. Um, Mm -hmm. And so then Adam comes back as Matt is driving away. This whole chapstick exchange happens. Paul is like, how were her titties? And Adam says my favorite line in the entire film. (laughs) I don't know titties. I'm gay. And then he literally (laughs) kicks a bucket at Paul. It's just, I know I've said this is my favorite line in the movie several Mm -hmm. times and will probably say it several more times. But this is a very good line. (laughs) Every character in every movie should come out like this. (laughs) I I want a like fan edit, like short film. That is just the scenes of Matt at the garage. Like, just mm-hmm. the scenes of Matt and Adam at the garage. Like, a probably, like, tight 15, 20-minute short film. And it would be so good. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. 
romance of the decade. <laughs> uh, so then Adam and Chris have dinner with Adam's family again. They have invited Dorothy Kuda uh, and her mom over because... Uh, you know, she's a girl who exists and her and his parents remember her name. Therefore, they are soulmates. And also they did date in eighth grade. They did. Yeah, that is why they're soulmates. Yes, Obviously. specifically. <laughs> <laughs> this is curtailed by Martha showing up with uh, father. Is it O'Malley? Father O'Malley. Yeah. He thinks that Adam is dying because Martha lied to a priest. I think you're not supposed to do that. Okay, I have several questions about this scene. All right. Uh-huh. So, first of all, they how do they know that Adam is at his parents' house and not his own house? Uh-huh. That's my first question. Uh, because they just show up at the parents' well, house. And Martha like, is a busybody, so she knows where everyone is going to be. Maybe they ran into each other in the morning, and Adam was like, yeah, I'm having dinner with my mom and dad tonight, and I'm bringing one of my gay lovers. Although, it's also possible that, uh, like, Karen told Martha. Like, we also do that. know That's that true. That's these true. two, like, these two people exist in this community, Mm-hmm. It's entirely so it's possible that they like, ages. yeah, ran into each other at the grocery store or at, at church or whatever, and we're just like, oh yeah, we're having family dinner, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. More importantly, though, I I don't understand why Martha accompanies the priest here because if he thinks he is coming to give last rites, which is a thing that you like literally have to do alone with said person because they give confession and that's very private other people can't hear that mm-hmm. so i don't know why the priest obviously martha wants to be there because she's like you know a snoop and can't well, mind like, her he own business that adam is at his parents house and if karen and martha are friendly with each other martha could be downstairs with the mom and dad while adam is presumably like convalescing upstairs waiting for the angel of death maybe it just felt really weird Mm -hmm. i mean she's there because narratively she has to be to like right make this whole situation really awkward um yeah (laughs) like this discussion is a preview to the more in-depth discussion we're gonna have next episode about new york christmas wedding yay (laughs) anyway i'm rolling my eyes into my skull so (laughs) yeah father o'malley and martha walk in father o'malley's like chris i thought you were dying martha's like no it's much worse than that he's sinning um (laughs) ma'am Karen is very confused. Everyone but Martha, Chris, and Adam are very confused. Chris, helpfully, does nothing in this scene. Yeah. I mean, what do you want him to do? Adam desperately tries to come out to his mom. And she's like, don't joke at a time like this. Mom's is the same. But the way Adam chooses to come out was so... <laughs> uh, obviously, it was a moment of desperation. I'm talking about the sausage. So, so here, <laughs> like, here's the thing. We didn't need to violate sausages, is what I'm saying. Adam comes out just fine. Adam is like, yes. Mom, I'm gay. Karen is yes. like, don't joke like that in front of Father O'Malley. And Adam is like, I'm not. Like, I'm actually gay. And Karen does not understand. <laughs> Nope. To which, instead of Chris, who was just standing there being like, 
know, like, it's true. Like, he's on a first-name basis with Karen. I feel Mm -hmm. like he could step up. He could help here. He could be Mm -hmm. like, no, it's true. Like, Adam is gay. Like, that's why I'm over at dinner again to, like, support him, etc. In... In the fanfic version of this movie, uh, they kiss. <laughs> oh no! You should never come out to your parents with your with your partner there. It's, <laughs> Chris yeah. walks over and French dips him. No. But they in this <laughs> instance, okay. Like generally, see, you're correct. But in yeah. this instance, I feel like that might work because they do genuinely love Chris, possibly more than they love Adam. Hundred percent. So I feel like that might be okay in this specific circumstance. Regardless, it is better than Adam stealing a sausage off of his father's fork and then filleting it in front of literally God and everybody. Loudly. Yeah. To which his dad responds, Adam, I was eating that. And Adam (laughs) says, really, you're concerned about the sausage, throws it down and storms out of the house. Fantastic. 10 out of 10 Oscar-worthy performance. And because of conversations that happen later, we know that Dorothy Kuda and her mother then still come over for dinner. (laughs) I mean, what are you gonna do? Not show up? (laughs) I mean, they don't know. They arrive and, like, there's a priest and Martha there. (laughs) A priest and Martha and no Adam. Everybody Mm -hmm. is, like, traumatized. (laughs) i also do love though when adam comes out uh his mom like her immediate response is what about dorothy kuda like how do those things connect in your brain (laughs) what does this have to do with dorothy who he has not seen since eighth grade lots of people have eighth grade girlfriends it doesn't make them straight (laughs) immediately following adam filleting a sausage is my favorite sequence in the movie uh the boys all agree to go to a gay bar on boys night instead of their regular haunt uh chris like coaches or two and nick into it then they walk to the bar and it's a surprise adam doesn't know that they're going to the only gay bar in town (laughs) i think that's really cute Mm -hmm. i yeah I really love real that. friend shit. There's also there is like you know uh, uh like this movie has a thesis and Chris says it out loud in this scene like this little pregame scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He says we've done a decent job. It's not good enough. Things should mm-hmm. change. Yes. Right. He's like when Adam came out, I promised him we promised him nothing would change, but like obviously that isn't like attainable situation. Which is weird because so much of this movie tries to make that argument. <laughs> it's but it's yeah, a good message. They they go to uh, Rocks, which is an actual gay bar in Albany. Uh, oh yeah, and it is like very sparsely populated, mm-hmm. and the bartender is is wearing what remains of a shirt. <laughs> Nick and Ortu agree to stick together and not make eye contact with anyone. <laughs> They've learned the dangers of eye contact. Yeah, like they could not make eye contact if they wanted to. We've no. we've learned. Chris orders for uh, Bud Lights, but uh, Adam shuts that down. He's like, "We're at a gay bar. We're gonna have vodka sodas." Uh, yeah, and then they, uh, I think Nick just fully necks it. Like, yeah, 
absolutely pounds his vodka soda and is immediately on the dance floor. Yeah, uh, and then we have, like, what this movie does anytime emotions are, like, at a peak. We have a dance party. (laughs) And, uh, like, it's it's sweet. Like, Adam and his friends are dancing. Uh, They're, like, having a good time. They make friends on the dance floor. And then heterosexuality happens. Then Tracy is here. (laughs) Train is here. I've written train is here, exclamation point, by, question mark, question mark, question mark. Oh, she's here with her brother and his boyfriend. It really, I, yeah, we could have gotten rid of her brother and just said she was here because she's bi. And that would have, I think, been better. Yes. But like this this is clearly a like a gay bar not a lesbian bar uh mm-hmm. and like i don't they said women were there too so i assumed yeah. it was gay and sometimes lesbian sometimes there's only the one and you just you know that was the impression i got but like i could be wrong mm-hmm. z you would know more probably since you're <laughs> familiar with the real life bar i am so i'm actually uh the part of upstate new york that i'm from is like pretty far away from Albany um I'm like almost in Canada uh we did have a gay bar in town it was called Clueless it closed my senior year of high school so I never went but damn Rip. the lesbian bar near my house was called Eden that's that's fun one. I my like my mom that. and her co-workers once accidentally went there for a happy hour did they have a good time no so like oh. <laughs> Watertown where I lived in upstate New York there's a military base and it was apparently like a, routinely a thing to like like when someone like an, an a you know private arrived to Fort Drum for the first time, the other soldiers would be like, "Yeah, m- like we're going downtown to like you know the bars. Meet us at Clueless as like a hazing thing, which mm. is like a terrible That's homophobic." It's like, it's homophobic, it's mean, it's terrible in many ways. Uh, Not least of which, because, like, Clueless was not convenient. It was not, like, downtown near the other bars. It was, like, kind of in the middle of nowhere. It was... But, yeah, so they, they run into Train on the dance floor. It's, like, fine. I guess the straights... They get one, and it's this one. <laughs> Chris apologizes. It is annoying that like we have. She's not mad. Oh well, why would she be mad? It's a cute voicemail. Yeah, but he's embarrassed. This also is like if we knew the time frame, this would be a lot like this scene would make more sense. Like they go on the date. If he leaves the voicemail like a week later, it's like kind of endearing. If he leaves the voicemail like the next day, it's awkward (laughs) if this is then like two weeks later if it's been like a month since they had one shitty date it's like i don't really want to talk to you like i kind of forgot about you (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah like adam makes friends with train's brother and his boyfriend and they all go out to a diner and uh yeah it like the the whole not knowing Train's real name thing comes to a head because Chris calls her Tracy to her face and she's like, 
That's not my is name. Is that what you think my name is? That was so awkward. I had to pause the scene several times because the secondhand <laughs> embarrassment was very strong. <laughs> yeah, this this is definitely one of those moments where it's like, I am praying for death. Um, <laughs> just tell her that you were drunk and you put her name in your phone wrong. Just tell her. But at this point, it's, it's too late too now. Late. It's too, like, it's way no, it's too not. late. He should have yes done it. it is. This is their second date ever. He should have done it the this next. This is like weeks like, later. When, when he went to text her and be like, hey, do you want to go on a date? Is when he should have done it. That is mm-hmm. that is the appropriate cute moment. But failing that. Failing that, it's too late. No. He said the name Tracy to her face. It's, it's over. That's embarrassing. It should mm. be. And now that makes her feel terrible. Like, mm. I'm sure her first thought was like, are you confusing me with someone else? Well, yeah, she Tracy? says, who's Tracy? Mm-hmm. Like, that's that makes you feel like crap. And then it'd be like, oh, I didn't bother learning your real name. I mean, that's terrible. There's also, like, it, it's, it would have been so easy for, at any point, for him to be like, you know... This is Nick. This is Ortu. Like, introduce tr- mm-hmm. Train to any of his friends uh, <laughs> so that she will then say her name to them. Like, yeah. that would have been smart. Chris, Chris is smart, though. <laughs> Chris is very stupid, is the problem. This is, and like, I don't know. It, it's, I try not to criticize movies in this, like, counterfactual way, but. I do it a lot with this movie because this movie has an idiot plot. If any of these people were, like, remotely, like, intelligent or, like, socially aware, if if these people knew how to interact with others and were, Mm -hmm. like, in a, like, believable human way, half of the conflict in this plot wouldn't be there. (laughs) This is also the moment where we get... I have one brief moment of incandescent transphobia written in my notes. Yeah, and it just doesn't need to be there. It's like a throwaway line. Yeah, so they're all like... So after Chris calls Train Tracy, he's like, Oh, your name isn't Tracy, it must be Trainy. And uh, that, like, she then also is like, Did you just call me Trainy? And Nick, Adam, and Ortu are all trying to, like, cover for him. And Trainee sounds a a lot like a slur. And Adam (laughs) makes, like, a pun. And it's just like, I need to leave. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I need to to not be watching this movie right now. And it's so annoying because it's, like, genuinely a throwaway line that is Mm -hmm. very easy to miss and I, in fact, missed on 11 viewings of this movie. Yeah, when I missed you notice it. it. It smacks you in the face. Yeah, it's like, it's only because I, like, had the scene paused because I was taking notes that I, like, looked up and saw the subtitles. And it's just like, oh, no. Oh, no. We don't need it. It's not necessary. Yeah, and it's just like, the scene then basically ends. And... There's just, like, so much left unresolved that, like, should be resolved that is, like, important to the plot later but never Mm -hmm. addressed on screen. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then we oh, get... Oh, then we get the awful, awful thing happens. Yeah. Then we get, yeah, needless, needless conflict part like 800 for this movie adam and chris are like they go uh back to one of their places it must be adam's place uh they're watching a movie on the couch together adam says that he didn't get anyone's number because he was too busy having fun with his friends (laughs) which is good and like this is part of what frustrates me so much about this scene like this is a very genuine moment that very genuinely shows like progress and a change in the status quo right Mm -hmm. like at the beginning of the movie adam comes out to his friends and it's like weird and awkward and like trying to reestablish equilibrium is like most of what happens in the like i think hour of movie that we've watched so far Mm -hmm. and then we have this moment where adam is like yes we have i like I genuinely feel that, like, sense of comfort and normalcy that I normally feel around you guys. I appreciate what you've done for me. It's, like, clear that not only are you trying, but you are succeeding. Mm -hmm. And also, everyone had fun at the bar. Like, it wasn't weird or awkward because the boys didn't make it weird or awkward the way that they were making it weird and awkward before. Exactly. They could just put this bar on their regular rotation now. Yeah, and so after this, like, very, like, cute moment, Adam, like, Chris is like, man, I really messed it up with, with Train. I should, like, text her. And Adam's like, no, it's 4 a.m. You're, like, drunk. And, like, takes his phone and sets it on the arm of the couch and is like, deal with it, like, tomorrow. Like, you can apologize mm-hmm. tomorrow. More conversation happens And then Chris goes to reach for his phone in a way that no human has ever reached across (laughs) the body of another human ever. Also, if my phone is on, like, the other side of a person, I can just ask them to pass it to me. He he can just say, I'm not going to text train. Can can I have my phone back? Just, like, anything else in this, any other series of events... Because, like, Uh if you watch closely, which I forced myself to do because I normally just, like, squint and grimace through this scene, (sighs) Chris reaches fully across Adam's body with his, like, opposite arm and puts his face in Adam's face. And, like, 100% looks like he's going for a kiss. The first time that Adam and I watched this movie, we were like, yo! Yeah, we fully... Because, like, also, Chris gives those vibes the whole film, so we were yeah. fully ready for that to happen. He 100% gives the vibe of someone who's, like, just realizing that maybe he also has a crush on someone. It's so awkward, and it's so frustrating, because the physical acting in other parts of this movie is so good, and then, like, is it is it the direction? Is it, like, Parker Young, who plays Chris? Is he not a very good actor like what what is what is going on with this scene that this is the this is how it happens like well they they didn't want to put all the blame on adam clearly right so mm-hmm. adam just kind of leans forward a little bit because chris already did most of the work and like if it was framed differently where adam's the one who initiates this leaning over then it would give the whole scene like a really different vibe Mm -hmm. Adam barely moves 
Yeah. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> but he is now faced with, like, his crush's face in his face, and he's drunk, and there's, like, a very friendly atmosphere, and so he does the very natural thing of leaning into Chris, because it looks like Chris is going for a kiss, and Chris retreats. I also cannot stress enough how little Adam moves. He mostly yeah. turns his head to look at Chris. Yeah. Which honestly... Yeah, and this is like a hate crime in Chris's eyes. Like, yeah. <laughs> he was attacked. It's so frustrating because it's like, like, there are a... I have had more homoerotic interactions with people <laughs> that I was not in the same room with. Yeah. And like this this scene is supposed to like read to the audience as like hardcore porn. And it's so <laughs> like not. It's like this scene is nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well I think cuz I was thinking about it. Like obviously it kind of sucks and is awkward if someone you're just friends with like tries to make a move and you don't reciprocate that and then you're like in this weird space for a while maybe but the problem was that chris was afraid of this happening because jess Mm -hmm. put it in his head and maybe even before jess maybe just like some leftover homophobia he hasn't worked through yet like he had this fear the whole movie so adam you know breathing in his direction wrong like just sets off this thing that he was waiting to freak out about the whole time Mm -hmm. yeah it's also like if this movie were more interested in gender or (laughs) sexuality beyond just like a a very simple like gay people exist yeah um this really is a movie catered to straight people a little bit which is why this movie should be about chris (laughs) chris should be the main (laughs) character of this movie but yeah chris leaves texts jess Literally, you still up. Yeah. It is 4 a.m. Chris goes to see... I have written, Chris goes to see Jess to reaffirm his heterosexuality. Yeah, how... When we first watched that, we I think we both at the same time had this thought, like, when... A lot of times when, you know, a a bi person first, like, has a crisis about that, they have to reaffirm that they're still attracted to the opposite gender. So we totally Mm -hmm. read this as, like, oh, my God, I have these feelings for Adam, but do I still have them for women? So he, like, goes to Jess to make sure he's still actually attracted to women. 100%. It also, it doesn't help that he and Jess have, like, never had an emotional connection. Nope. (laughs) And then in the scene like he can't get hard like he's pushing rope and mm-hmm. there's like <laughs> some really uncomfortable discussions about like fellatio and it's just like a bad scene and she's teasing him about uh about adam and like wh- why because she's a jerk yeah yeah you, like because <laughs> she's not a person she is a self-destructive habit. Yeah. Uh, the one positive I will say about this scene is that, like, we do get a very consistent characterization of Chris. When he is, mm-hmm. like, emotionally vulnerable, he turns to Jess for, like, you know, supposing supposedly meaningless sex. That is mm-hmm. consistent throughout the movie. It is part of Chris's, like, character growth. Uh, so I do appreciate that. Because he can only process any complex emotions by having sex with a woman. And, like, specifically Jess, who is refusing to emotionally connect with him. Yeah. And then we have a sad montage. Yeah. (laughs) Adam's, like, avoiding the guys, 
Uh, Chris is also avoiding the guys because they haven't told Nick and Ortu about the drama. And so Nick and Ortu are just like, where are Chris and Adam? We have to have poker night by ourselves. That was so sad. Yeah. This is They're so... like getting ready for a football game and they did each other's face paint. Their friends never showed up. They're getting ready for a flag football game and they're like apparently in the finals of a like season long winning streak. And it's that like, sucks. why has this not been in the movie? <laughs> they played basketball earlier. That basketball scene very, very easily could have been them practicing flag football. Or why not just make it a basketball tournament? Yeah. Why is it football? <laughs> Literally, in any, like, why isn't it just the next poker night? Like, there are so many things, and this is part of what's so frustrating, because once we get into the montage, there are a lot of things that have been set up earlier in the movie are paid off. Like, mm-hmm. we get a, a poker night where, like, Nick does two or two what adam did to nick earlier he's like sort of half-heartedly paying attention like gives or two like some weird eyes and like psychs him out the deli is like we get the a return to the deli where like adam is eating alone and it's sad and then like chris tries to have jess yeah and she doesn't like the sandwich. Which, like, the sandwich is a metaphor. It's a very <laughs> normal looking sandwich. And she completely <laughs> overreacts. Why'd you even order the sandwich if you knew you yeah. weren't going to like it? I don't understand that. Yeah. And then we also get to see uh, Brad Star's dude mingle again. <laughs> Ugh. So here's the thing. Because I did pause this movie and look at every single dude mingle account every single time it was on screen brad's dude mingle has been changed so that it's like an actual photo of him he has his actual age on there etc but nothing else on the account is changed his bio is still like looking for the right person and working on my body love working out love the gym and it's like (laughs) We're supposed to understand this as, like, character development on Brad's part, but, like... There's no development. They they just didn't bother to, like, finish the screen viz. It's, uh... And, like, it's a small thing. If you're not, like, crawling through the movie like I was, you miss it. But it's frustrating. I've written in my notes, uh, no, not Brad, in all caps. Yeah, because Adam then goes on another date with Brad. Mm Mm-hmm. And he doesn't deserve it. No. Yeah, he, like, goes on another date with Brad. They have, like, a conversation where uh, Adam is like, yes, my ex-fiance Chris and I had a big fight. And it's like, really? You're, like, perpetuating this ruse that you really only started to fuck with this guy in the first place? He's not going to admit that it was a lie now. You're in too deep. Why is Brad here? I don't like it. Because it's to show how uh, desperate he is, right? Like, he's fallen so low, he's willing to go on another date with Brad just to not be lonely. And, like, that speaks volumes. And we also get Brad delivering genuine advice. Uh, Mm -hmm. Which feels weird. I hated that. (laughs) It's like... 
if if we had if the the scene um in the Mexican restaurant the double date scene had gone differently this wouldn't feel as bad like the more I watch this movie the more I come to the conclusion that Brad is like fine if pushy like Brad has a little bit of a problem like respecting people's like boundaries with like a little bit okay I am I'm underselling for the sake of the point but like Brad has a problem respecting people's boundaries but he is ultimately like a fine dude once he stops like catfishing people and and seems to undergo this character growth off screen Mm -hmm. and he delivers the advice communication is the key to any good relationship and adam's like what would you know about good relationships and brad's like i've been happily married for 17 years which is clearly this is good they may advice. They not have an arrangement. <laughs> I I still maintain that there is no way the wife knows. Otherwise, why would he have to sneak men because into he's his tied, basement? Because he's tied up in the sex dungeon. No, so- no. He also said <laughs> sneak you into the basement in the first place. Mm. I think there is an like there is an arrangement of some kind like. In order for this scene to make sense, I have to believe there is an arrangement of some kind. <laughs> or maybe the scene doesn't make sense. Hmm. I thought it was just being, like, he says this great advice and then, ha-ha, too bad he doesn't follow his own advice kind of thing. That's, See, that was the impression I got. I think oh. the reason I'm not, like, I don't read this uh, as, like, a moment of irony is because, like, we have this very tender, heartfelt moment followed immediately by Brad making a sexual pass at Adam. And that's supposed Mm -hmm. to be the joke because Brad is like chubby. A weirdo. Like we're not supposed to find Brad attractive. We're not supposed to think of Brad as like a, a sec, an object of sexual desire. And so like Mm -hmm. the fact that he keeps making sexual passes at Adam and like seemingly has this, active sex life is is the joke Mm, that's a good point uh then adam goes to see his mom yeah adam goes back to his parents house yeah you could wait until tomorrow my mom would already be asleep (laughs) like is having this very like heartfelt conversation with his mother she's mad that he didn't come out sooner yeah that annoyed me so much she's literally like yelling at him for like keeping this thing from her Uh, He's allowed to have his own life and so secrets. I, Why does that have anything to do with you? I, I read this scene a little bit differently. She is upset with herself for not, like, creating an environment where Adam felt comfortable coming out. And, like, mm-hmm. maybe this is me projecting because this is, like, a, a... And, like, not to tell my entire coming out story here, but, like, this is a conversation that, like, I had with my mother not quite as emotional and and not quite as like intense but like similar strokes is like this kind of sort of renegotiating the relationship and like to me I read this as like Karen doing introspection and like realizing that she has not been the mother she wanted to be that's a great reading i feel like she doesn't quite say that so i don't 
fully agree with you, but I really love that interpretation of her character a lot better. <laughs> yeah, It definitely makes the scene feel more heartfelt than the reading that I think Hal and I had because yeah I was just kind of angry the whole time and then they like they hug at the end like a little tear-filled hug you know and you're supposed to feel like all warm and fuzzy inside and I was just still kind of annoyed like why did you tell me this thing yeah uh and then uh Adam's dad comes into the room (laughs) and they have he says he says two things one (laughs) never fillet a sausage in front of me again no Karen says that (laughs) Oh. She says, as they're <laughs> hugging, she says, never do that to one of my sausages again. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, no, oh. Adam's Adam's dad says, um, are you going to the Ortus? I hear they got the good fireworks this year. Mm. Adam's like, oh, I don't know. And his dad's like, did you forget to RSVP? Because if you, I have it written down. Uh, yeah, he basically just says, you can have some of my ribs. Like... That was so cute. That's dad for I love you. Yeah, I I liked that a lot more. Maybe because it was more understated. I don't know. Like, it's very understated. It's very awkward. It's like... (laughs) Exactly what you expect from a dad. Definitely what you expect from a man who collects antique clocks and is therefore queer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fascinated by the dad. I wish we had more of him. He's fascinating. Where's my movie about the dad? Just ran out. In in our mini series, we just get an additional episode for mm. every character Bonus in this movie episode. gets their own episode, <laughs> and one of them is Adam's dad. One of them is also Adam's sister, who is noticeably absent from this scene. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's out with friends. Lindsay is there for the two dinner scenes, and then she never has another speaking line again. In fact, I think she has one speaking line, and it is, I broke up with that guy I was dating, and he won't stop sending me messages on Snapchat. Block him. Which, honestly, like, this scene adds so little to the movie. It's <laughs> it's a movie that, it's a scene that feels obligatory. It closes, yeah, it closes the loop on the whole parents thing. What if instead of the Brad scene, we just had Adam talking to his mom about relationships? That'd be better. I would love a version of this movie where this scene and the Brad scene are removed. And it's just Adam going over to dinner with his parents. And like, maybe Chris is supposed to be there, but he doesn't come. And so Karen's like, oh, where's Chris? Uh, And they like... The four of them, like, have a conversation and, like, Adam's dad can still be, like, really goofy and awkward and Adam's mom can still be, like, you know, very heartfelt and Lindsay can be there. (laughs) Just as it stands, this scene adds so little to the movie Mm -hmm. and just feels obligatory. I would love instead of the Brad scene, just have Adam and his sister like bond over failed relationships. Cause we, in her one scene, doesn't she say she just broke up with like a boyfriend or something so they could mm-hmm. chat about that and bond over that? I'd love that instead. Like give me more sibling bonding in I general. also don't know how young Lindsay is supposed to be. Like I get she's the- She's still in high school, I think. Yeah, I get yeah, the vibe I thought that she's like- 17 ish and that's like seven years of difference and that might be a little weird 
Like, Mm. my sister and I are very close, and she is about six years older than me, and we don't have... It just seems like it would be a very weird conversation to have. Well, you don't have to get into detail about it. (laughs) Just like, wow, dating is hard sometimes. How have you been since you're never in this movie? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, uh, she does. She does attend the 4th of July Mm -hmm. in the background with all the other women. Yeah, she Mm -hmm. uh, she Mm -hmm. walks up with Adam's parents or I guess both of their parents, but does not have any lines. Nope. Nice. Which I do think I said earlier on that she disappears after the dinner scene, but she she is still around. So then we get to the 4th of July. Yeah. Uh, Chris Mm -hmm. and Jess are going to Cheesecake Factory. They have a reservation at the Cheesecake Factory. (laughs) Um, I've never been to Cheesecake Factory. Is that a thing they do? No, it isn't. (laughs) What? You can have reservations? Can't you? What do you mean? The Cheesecake Factory doesn't take reservations. Really? Does it very specifically not take reservations? That's so funny. Let me just, let me, let me Google it. Let me see. Because I was, I was like comparing it to like Olive Garden in my mind in terms of like, maybe at certain times you want to make a reservation because it'll be busy like on holidays and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Cheesecake Factory does take reservations. You lied to us. Apparently yeah. the Cheesecake Factory, d- I have a different fun fact um, <laughs> about this scene, but it'll come up later. Chris and Jess have a reservation at the Cheesecake Factory. Chris looks like my brother in this scene. <laughs> like, oh. the way he's dressed, his hair. Uh, uh, uh. He also looks depressed. Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't know why they're dating. He does not want, because he's straight and he has to reaffirm that to himself. <laughs> because she's the only thing that passes for emotional connection in his life. Because the heteronormativity won't let him emotionally connect with his boys. Surely there is another woman that he can, like... Any other woman in all of Albany, (laughs) New York. He tried that with Train! (laughs) Okay, well, she's different. He needs one of the normal girls. Ah, he needs one without a personality. (laughs) Yeah, just not Jess, because she's, you know, trash. Yeah. It's also, like, it's, it's so interesting and... Uh, this, you know, comes up at, like, towards the end of the movie. Like, it's not even that Chris is, like, afraid of the feelings he has for Adam. Because that was kind of my original read. And if you're, like, doing a read where, like, Chris realizes he's bi over this movie, then, like... Which I am. There's... This is, like, you read this scene as, like, Chris is afraid of exploring his feelings for Adam. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's not. It's just, Chris is afraid. Chris was awkward with one of his bros, and he doesn't want to think about it. Yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> During the sad montage, he puts on his ladies' deodorant, and he smells it, and he looks sad. And that is the bit that I'm hinging my entire by head cannon on. <laughs> it's so, it's also like the fact that they don't let him have any sort of bi crisis makes the biphobic comment earlier extra gross because mm-hmm. a lot of like the gross comments and stereotypes that they have in this movie they do at least attempt to like disprove but they mm-hmm. do nothing with that comment they just let it exist in the world 
Yeah, like the, and the you could have made it better by letting Chris like have this journey. Yeah, the like biphobia and like transphobia of this movie are just like exist purely in joke and aren't like the the filmmakers clearly don't think of them as something that like the movie needs to address. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that they bring it into the movie yeah yeah just cut those please then like and then we see adam going to the barbecue dorothy kuda is here uh it's good that she has a face i wish that she was more of a character i wish that when adam said yeah i'm gay now that she said me too (laughs) wild i thought that was gonna be what she was gonna say yeah, even watching it a second time, I still thought she was gonna pop up with, uh, "Yeah, me too." Isn't that hilarious? But because that's um, the she vibe, doesn't. Uh, she doesn't because we don't want to devote any more time to her than, "Oh, she's pretty and also nice." I guess. Mm-hmm. She is woman. So <laughs> the logistics <laughs> of this woman. scene drive me crazy, because <laughs> so Adam rounds a corner has a moment where he, like, looks at all the people at the party. And then three seconds later, Dorothy Coot rounds the corner and is like, oh, Adam. And he's, like, surprised (laughs) to see her. And it's like, where did you come from? How did y'all not see each other three seconds ago on the street in front of this house? You acknowledge people you know when you see them? Yes. (laughs) Wild. Wow, that's... I just a couple of weeks ago saw some friends out in public and pretended I didn't know who they were. <laughs> but then they have a brief exchange where Adam's like, I'm gay. Dorothy Kuda's like, yeah, your mom outed you to the entire population of Albany, New York. Mm-hmm. And shared the story about you filleting a sausage. That part she could have left out. They really could have. <laughs> she is in the mom. <laughs> and then Dorothy Kuda says... Do you want to go to the party as a way of ending this conversation? Dorothy Kuda and Adam then walk 20 feet before going their separate ways. We could have just (laughs) cut. There's like five seconds there that's just footage of them walking that could have just been cut. Mm -hmm. And then we see... Yeah, I definitely thought, oh, I thought you were already at the party. (laughs) They are fully already at the party. They're there. Then we have my other favorite sequence in the movie where in the Cheesecake Factory parking lot, Chris sees Matt's car, uh, sees like the kayaks on top, sees that it's a Prius, sees the Save the Whales bumper sticker conveniently over the Toyota logo, and stops the car, grabs a hockey stick out of the back of his car, and goes to vandalize this vehicle because he is a true friend. So several things about this scene. One, <laughs> the mall that they are filming at is not the mall with the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> I love that. Two, it is logistically impossible for Chris to knock the muffler off of the Prius with a hockey stick. The way the muffler and the back bumper are arranged on a Toyota, it would not be possible. <laughs> nice. Three. So Chris is magic, is what you're telling me. Chris is He's magic. He's really good at vandalizing cars, guys. <laughs> this is the power of friendship. Get you a bro. I just, anything else, like, he could knock off a windshield wiper. He could knock off the bumper. 
The side mirror. So many things he could have done. Finally, this is the scene in which Jess is the most reasonable she is throughout the entire movie. (laughs) She does steal his car. She does do a crime, but... (laughs) <laughs> they are, but then again, so does Chris. Some sometimes your boyfriend breaks up with you and you steal his car. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. They are driving through a mostly empty parking lot. Jess is like, "Why are we so far away? There are open parking spots. I don't want to walk this far." Chris is like, "Hand me that hockey stick," which logistically <laughs> she would not be able to do. <laughs> she is like, what are you doing? Get back in the car. We're already late. Chris breaks up with her. She drives off in his car. She is extremely reasonable in this scene, if a little (laughs) bit mean. And then Chris somehow gets to the party no problem. He calls a taxi. Yeah, he takes a taxi. He has done a crime in broad daylight in the middle of a parking lot. No one was around. No one's at the mall for Fourth of July. It's weird that they're going to going to Cheesecake Factory on the Fourth of July. It's weird. Well, it's supposed to be weird, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. supposed to be. And like... therefore, there are fewer witnesses. Everyone yeah. in that parking lot minded their own business. A car drives by in the background of this shot, like With five people seconds. In it who are minding their business? <laughs> yeah. So then, Chris disposes of the hockey stick, hails a cab, waits for the cab to arrive, and drives to Ortu's. It would have been very funny if he arrived at the party just holding a hockey stick and he has to, like, explain. Or even if he just, like, as he's walking up, just, like, tosses it into the bushes. It would be, like, a small moment of physical comedy, like a small sight gag. Mm -hmm. It would be great. But yeah, we're back at the party Cordover Street as Nick, just chef's kiss, beautiful, <laughs> dumb as a bag of rocks. Uh, yeah, macking on Dorothy Kuda. Yeah, Dorothy Kuda, unfortunately, continues to exist uh, to be or not to be an object of desire, uh, mm-hmm. which is a shame, but she does seem to be minding her own business, having a conversation with someone else in the background. Mm-hmm. If, the, if this her. conversation were audible, this movie would pass the Bechdel test. <laughs> oh, rip. Uh, Martha has called a truce because patriotism. At, like Adam apologizes to Martha for the whole sausage fellatio. She says... He should not apologize. Like, honestly, I don't know why Martha is still invited to this scene to like, the. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's there because we need to have a resolution with her. I feel like it would be pretty reasonable for Ortu to be like, hey, dad, this woman is like actively making Adam's life worse. Mm-hmm. We should like not let her come to the barbecue. But she and Father O'Malley are there. Martha walks up with a plate of cookies and is Adam apologizes and she's like, No worries. Would you like a cookie? Take two. Today, we're all on the same side. And Adam is like, oh, ha ha, gods? And she's like, no, America's. America's. (laughs) Don't be silly. God isn't on your side. (laughs) This is the scene in the movie that I think has aged worst in the six years since it's come out. Mm -hmm. Just 
the weird, like, very gross form of patriotism on display, the, like, degree to which, like, we, like, it's a very, like, liberal American ideal, like, everyone can set aside their differences and be patriotic. (laughs) And it's like, no, Martha would be at the Capitol on January 6th. Like, (laughs) yeah. Oh, um, Ortu has a great line, oatmeal raisin, the vegetable of cookies. Yeah. Then, um, Adam and Chris get into a fight about the almost kiss, which derails Ortu's attempt to make a big speech and propose to his girlfriend, Michelle, We've heard her mentioned several times. This is the only time she's in the scene, and she has, like, three lines. Yeah. Okay, but one of those lines uh, I wrote down because it absolutely baffled me, and I need to share it. And she says that Ortu, she says to him, you're so sexy like a burly Ben Franklin. (laughs) Ben Franklin was a sex icon of his time. (laughs) But he's also a burly dude. Like, Ben Franklin was a heavy set guy. I don't know why that line needed It's to be like there. sticks in your mind though. Yeah. <laughs> it's like absolutely bizarre. Uh, yeah. We also have a moment where uh Nick says that Ben Franklin died of syphilis. Uh this is inaccurate. <laughs> yeah. He may have died with syphilis. He but did not, not die it. of syphilis. Yeah. Look, Nick is just learning how to read. Like, it's, he's doing his best. It's fine. I, I desperately him. wanted them to be more consistent with the stuff that Nick was reading. Like, he has that random book that's apparently about North Korea, and then he throws out fun facts about the Founding Fathers. I wanted, like, all of the books and things... Um, I wanted him to be, like, reading Gender Trouble in the background, you know? Like, I wanted him to keep going down the same rabbit hole, and he just does it. He just becomes more generally learned instead of doing a gender studies minor. Yeah, Yeah. because that would be more narratively interesting. And this movie doesn't want that. It wants to play it safe and be able to appeal to the straight cis audience. Like, this Mm. is a movie... Like, this movie would... This movie would have to be interested in gender in order to yeah. have Nick read an article about gender. Like, mm-hmm. in a better version, Nick then realizes he's like non-binary or something. Yeah, and you get, like a really great thing yeah. for him. Yeah, like, but he's like, gender's made up. I can act like a, a guy differently than you guys act like guys, or I can not act like a guy at all. It would be it would be such a great like payoff because so much of this movie is about like and again it's all in the jokes uh, about like what makes a man a man and like what are like things that men do that is incorrect masculinity and like Mm -hmm. having nick go from like arguably the dumbest of the friends uh, mm-hmm. Or maybe not dumbest, but just like the least emotionally intelligent, like the least intellectually dumbest. curious of the mm-hmm. friends, to like someone who is like critical of gender. Uh, and I have to be very careful not to sound like a turf here. Um, <laughs> but like someone who thinks about gender and like understands gender and the way it plays into like big sniff ideology would be more interesting and more thought than this movie really wants to put in. Mm-hmm. 
this the change in the dynamic of like Ortu is now engaged. He had no idea about this engagement. Makes Chris realize that they haven't been hanging out for a while. Uh, it's been like I don't know how long it's been. We don't know how long it's been. We have no yeah, idea. Yeah, Ortu's how long proposal it's been. like allows everyone to finally have a real truce and to like come together and for Adam and Chris to make up. And it sucks that this is the reason why. Because I just kept thinking about, like, the second scene with Ortu when he talks about how everyone else is lucky to be single and tries to take a picture of some random chick's boobs. And that's what yeah. I kept thinking about when he was proposing to his now fiancé. Yeah, in my notes I, I have, so angry. Uh, remember when Ortu did a sex crime? He's engaged mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sucks. And he has not addressed this behavior he hasn't grown at all in that way. Because the movie assumes that the boys getting over their homophobia is also them dealing with their misogyny. And that's just not how it works. Nope. Yeah. Um, there is a wonderful bit of, like, again, physical acting from uh, the actress playing Dorothy Kuda. Uh, while Ortu is giving his speech about, like, today we gather to celebrate our country's independence... Uh, Dorothy Kuda gives him the biggest side eye uh, <laughs> because she is a person of color uh, and it feels appropriate that mm-hmm. like this is her reaction. Uh, then we get train is here. Adam has invited Rachel to the party. Somehow. <laughs> Somehow. Tracked her down, explained the situation, introduced himself, got her real name. I don't know why she would come. We know that Adam does not have Train's brother's phone number because he mm-hmm. says he didn't get anybody's number. Mm-hmm. So we how? How? We don't know. And how did this why, happen? more importantly, why is she here? Why would she want to be so here? So that Chris can be rewarded for his character arc with the love of a woman. He doesn't deserve that. She no. also did not RSVP, so she does not get the good ribs, unfortunately. <laughs> Sucks. Uh, yeah. Looking at my keyboard, I can see how he got, if autocorrect got to him, I can see how he got to train from Rachel. Interesting. I can see it. I'm just saying. Those letters are next to each other. I can see, like, for two letters, how like he started to get there but then it's just like no like where what if autocorrect got to him i suppose but god it's just it i uh this could have been such an interesting <laughs> plot line but uh-huh. no no one is emotionally vulnerable ever in this movie except for right. adam who is only emotionally vulnerable in this movie <laughs> I've written Martha shut up here. I don't remember what that is in reference to. Oh, uh, she's like con- giving Nick her condolences about uh, Ortu getting engaged because she still thinks that they are a quadruple. Yeah, it's like she already thinks that they are Polly. Why is this a problem? <laughs> like now Ortu is engaged. It's still, they're still a polycule. Because she doesn't believe that bisexuality exists 100% guaranteed. Oh, of course. No one in this movie does. No. Of course. Um, so 
we get the resolution with Tracy and mm-hmm. uh Chris says oh her name is Rachel. Did we say that? Yeah. Um, Chris says do you want to dance? And she says oh now that you know my name you think I'm just going to dance with you. And he says well it is a dance party. <laughs> for which there is no evidence. Yeah. <laughs> until they start dancing. Like, this is clearly a barbecue. This is clearly mm-hmm. a backyard picnic. <laughs> Adam's family shows up, and Karen says, Did we miss anything? <laughs> Adam dances with his mom, who asks when he's going to get a boyfriend, which was a cute moment. Uh, Nick and Dorothy Kuda are dancing. Yeah, uh, the shirt that Karen is wearing is a shirt that my mother owns, and the conversation oh, that... Up. Adam and Karen have is a conversation my mother and I have had. Uh, oh, good. The Dorothy Kuda is suddenly interested in Nick. She walks over and says, hey, Nick, do you want to dance? And you can see his brain working. <laughs> this is like, I know I've talked a lot about the physical acting in this movie. This is the single best moment of physical action. <laughs> he like is completely dumbfounded for a second. He Then he realizes Dorothy Kuda is talking to him. Then he realizes he needs to respond to Dorothy Kuda. And then he <laughs> says yes. Mm-hmm. You can see him like go through the stages of grief to get to this <laughs> response. Me when a pretty girl talks to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we get a montage of the party. Mm-hmm. And there's a and child. Fireworks. There's a child. <laughs> Then Chris and Adam are, like, watching the fireworks. They both try to apologize at the same time, and they're, like, talking over each other. And it's a really good moment of both, like, script writing and acting, where they're both trying to do the same thing in different ways. And both of them think that the other one shouldn't be doing what they're doing. And they're just plowing ahead, trying to desperately apologize for their behavior. And then Chris kisses Adam. I would say, if the dialogue were any good this scene would be well done. (laughs) The intent and the acting are both good, but, like, the Mm -hmm. actual things they're saying are trash. (laughs) It's so, so frustrating. Yeah, and then Chris kisses Adam, and we have definitive proof that it's not gay to kiss the homies. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This is what I've been saying. That's the real, that should be the real tagline for the film. (laughs) Yeah, just when you release this episode, fourth man out, is it gay to kiss the homies? (laughs) Uh, Chris is by I will die on this hill is what I have written here. Which, so I think, right, so like they kiss, Chris is like, how was it? Adam was like, honestly, it was like kissing my brother, which makes sense. These people have grown up very close since childhood. Like, it makes sense that they have, like, a emotionally intimate relationship that is not romantic. This moment would be so much better if Chris gets his, like, bi-awakening. Like, if Chris gets his series finale of Korra moment, and then, mm-hmm. like, Chris and Adam kiss, and we as the audience know that there is, like, actual, like, romantic stakes here... Like, we know that this might be a moment where Chris and Adam realize that, like, yeah, they do have, like, feelings for each other that aren't explained by their, like, 
close friendship, this scene is so much better when they then kiss and it's like, oh, no, no, not at all. Yeah. But because we know that Chris is straight TM, this scene has Mm -hmm. no stakes. It, I know nothing. I do. I you're like completely right, but I yes. do appreciate that Chris does this to prove that he's not like afraid of being kissed by a man, mm-hmm. or like that he's not more importantly afraid of Adam in any way. Mm-hmm. So I did like that. Yeah, but everything like else you're saying is still right. Jettisoning uh, toxic ma- to- toxic masculinity. <laughs> yeah. Uh... There are, I have just looked this up, there are 23 works in Fourth Man Out 2015 on AO3. Mm-hmm. 22 of them are Adam and Chris. Does not surprise me at all. What's the 23rd? Adam, original male character. Oh. Mm. There is also one Adam Matt. I was going to say, not even Adam with Matt. <laughs> yeah. And two Chris Rachel. Uh, mm. Are there any where Nick has fun or a good time yeah, there's none with all four of them together is kind of weird to me all right i've got homework <laughs> <laughs> let's do a fake exchange there's lots where nick is listed as a character who appears none where nick is in a relationship oh that's kind of weird but all um, right speaking of nick there is like after chris and adam like have this moment Nick, who is just, like, laying down in the background, yells, uh, I told you he wanted to fuck me most. (laughs) Which is great, because at this point, Nick is, like, a cis, straight man with a gender analysis, and I, the viewer, (laughs) am in love with him. (laughs) And then we get the, like, final, final scene of this movie. Yeah, uh, a little epilogue with Matt coming into the garage. If this came out today, this would be like a post credit mm-hmm. scene. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, Matt comes into the garage because someone smacked the muffler off his car. We very conspicuously do not see the back of this vehicle in this scene. <laughs> and it wouldn't matter yeah. if we did because you can't see the muffler looking at the back of a Prius. <laughs> yeah, this is like... This is probably the thing the film does most competently is Mm -hmm. we get the setup with Matt, right? He comes in, they have a moment, their hands touch. We get the reminder with Matt. He comes back for the car. It's awkward. Adam like messes it up. And then we get the payoff with Matt here Mm -hmm. at the end where he introduces himself and we finally learn his name. And he and Adam, mm-hmm. like, smile at each other. The first time that we watched this movie, I read uh, Chris's vandalism of this car as jealousy. Like, this was the only serious, like, man yeah. that Adam had showed interest in. And Chris, in the midst of having a buy crisis, was like, I'm going to mess up this car. Like, an hour after we watched this movie, I, like, sat bolt upright in bed and was like, no, he was being a good friend by making it so that Matt would go back to the garage. Yeah, it's not extremely clear watching it the first time why he's vandalizing the car. I think both readings are valid. I think in order, like, a reading of this movie where Chris has a bi crisis, this scene is better. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because. That's because the whole movie is better. Well, and because, again, there's actually, like, we realize that, like, Chris 
is dealing with his emotions about Adam and like what mm-hmm. he might feel for Adam and like, no, I need to put those emotions aside because Adam and this man actually had like a moment. Mm-hmm. It would be it would be cute. I do hope that like Chris pays Matt back because <laughs> visiting a mechanic is not cheap. Yeah, and then like Matt and Adam now having introduced themselves make homosexual eye contact, and that's the end of the movie. That's supposed to be confirmation that Matt is in fact gay. <laughs> yes. No, the fact that he has a Save the Whales bumper sticker is supposed to be confirmation that he's gay. Mm, Uh. Straight men do not care about the environment. And they also don't drive Priuses. (laughs) Name one straight man who's driven a Prius ever. I'll wait. I don't know any straight men. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, God, this is like, I've really ragged on this movie quite a bit, but I do love this movie. (laughs) It's a good movie. I don't even know that I would say that. <laughs> I like <laughs> this is I don't know that this is a good movie. I do know that it is a movie that like meant a lot it to me. It is a competently structured movie. Is it a competently me. structured movie though? <laughs> yeah. Sure. I, I mean, I am genuinely entertained by this film. Mm-hmm. I would show it to other people. Like mm-hmm. it makes me laugh which is kind of rare for comedies to do, honestly. Mm. Uh, So for those reasons, I do like it. I could watch this one with my mom. Yeah, I might be able to also do that. Also rare. She would like Chris. Mom, I know you're listening to this, so just watch this on your own time. (laughs) Hi, Esther. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I just like, I saw this movie at a time in my life where I was Adam right? Mm -hmm. Like it got you when you were vulnerable. Yeah. I was a a man who was right. Like something I literally said to one of my friends at the time is like, I don't want to be a gay dude. I want to be a dude who is gay. And like Mm -hmm. looking back at that, I cringe. And that's probably (laughs) why I cringe so much watching this movie. Mm -hmm. Like now that I am not that person anymore, this movie still like, holds a place in my heart as something that was like important to me at that time. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, I don't know that I could show this movie to my queer friends without like a lot of preamble. <laughs> mm-hmm. We all have those. I made a podcast about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good, good talk, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening. You can find the show at but is it underscore gay on Twitter. We are okay, but is it gay on TikTok? And our theme song is by Enoff E N O F F on Instagram. Where can people find you on the internet? Z? You can find me. Uh, my personal Twitter is at futons in bulk. I also do all the tweets for Passages North right now, although those are like somewhat professional and like only occasionally pictures of frogs (laughs) and then i am uh variously on the internet elsewhere you have any publications to plug uh i don't have any publications to plug because i haven't submitted anything in in months Mm -hmm. uh Mood. I I am going through a creative crisis where it's like I don't ever want to write anything again. I just want to <laughs> to work in publication. Uh, I read for both Passages North and Alien Literary Magazine. I am there behind the scenes. <laughs> 
Passages uh, publishes cool, weird stories. I like it. Where can people find you on, on the internet, Autumn? Autumnal underscore season on Twitter. Uh, see you next time for the season two finale, maybe, probably. Uh, thanks, and stay gay. Stay gay.